1: All right, welcome into a Friday show. Let's go. 694 1055. Get us up in the app, WNSP.com. Mark and Lee in the studios of WNSP. Off and running for three straight hours let's do it We've got a
2: lot to talk about today as we always do i mean it's almost common that you know we have a lot of football coming up a lot of our guests today on football coming up tomorrow with scrimmages uh i was able to uh, talk to tommy bowden yesterday and tommy's going to come on he's got some thoughts on uh, florida state and clemson and and their future so we want to hear about that uh you had mentioned that uh, when eli gold does that practice broadcast tomorrow that tyler watts may be in the booth either to his left or to his right
1: yes yeah, so uh for those that missed it eli came on for his weekly appearance and for the second time in three weeks he was teasing the fact that he was going to have a new color analyst you can hear that interview in its entirety on wnsp now where you can find uh, uh our uh, our f- our old episodes anyway he kept he, he he kept talking about it so i made some calls and i've been told by people that i trust that that person is indeed tyler watch which makes sense that's the guy you thought it was going to be when we were talking about it because he's already there he's, he's got there, some
2: experience and it wasn't like they had a a, a whole bunch of time to to interview people you know auditions and things like that this has happened quite suddenly where john parker wilson has been summoned down to the sidelines to work with nick saban so it's not like let's put out a word and let's bring in some people to to interview you got a guy that's already on the network you have a guy that's already doing post pre post game we've had him on before it just made sense it just made logical sense
1: now for i've also been told that john parker wilson will be working for Hey Alabama, which is the NIL entity or the ar- the NIL arm of the university. So, uh, I left messages for Watts, John Parker Wilson, uh, and Jim Carabin, the general manager of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. So Shocking, shockingly enough, nobody you, called did, me did back. You, did you strike out? Yeah, yeah, you struck out yesterday. Uh, but but it's important to understand that I had a good eye for the ball. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't strike out looking. Um, you went down swinging. I went down swinging. I went down. do bad. Pi- good pitches, Lee. Mark, good pitches. If I ever
2: wrote a list of the uh, strikeouts I have in trying to secure people, I mean. I, I, every, almost half the people I've contacted are on vacation. Italy must be filled up with people from Mobile or Baldwin County because uh, that's that's the word I get. But I'm being facetious. Speaking about uh, Baldwin County, uh, the Phillip River story has gained a lot of momentum this morning, especially on talk radio and on the Internet services that uh, Kyle Shanahan revealed yesterday in an interview that his plan was if the 49ers had beaten the Eagles in this uh, NFC championship game, his plan was to call in Phillip Rivers just to quarterback the Super Bowl because of all the injuries to Purdy and Johnson and to Garoppolo and to uh, uh, Trey Lance. He didn't have any quarterbacks. It would be great. I can't wait if when we get Phillip Rivers to ask him if that's really true, if that's confirmed, because Shanahan says that was his plan and that uh, he claims that Phillip Rivers was ready to go.
1: Yeah, so – he's revealed this now he he talked about it yesterday uh shanahan did he talked about it uh in late july on a podcast with the athletic philip actually told my colleague over there at al.com in march and this is a direct quote i heard from a couple teams that just checking just kind of checking in i didn't contact anyone i'm not going anywhere I think maybe some teams with some guys going down may have been just looking for a contingency plan, but nothing came of it. So, Phil didn't actually deny it. And if you remember, uh, it was – who was it? Um, a- around the combine – oh, it was Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen was talking about – he'd heard these rumors that the, the Niners were among one or two teams uh, that – we're looking to bring in Philip Rivers in the last season and so Rivers kind of squashed it and for whatever reason I, I I don't know why it's pertinent that the Niners bring this up today or last
2: Yeah week. I'm with you on that too I don't know It's understand. a cool story I yeah, mean Yeah but and again until I get to talk to Philip Rivers and eventually we'll get to talk to him in person and certainly that Will be on the agenda. In fact, they I think they have a practice game against Spanish Fort next week. Maybe we can yeah. try to get him on on that. But it's certainly a great story. Think about this though, and I. By the ha- way, I struck out with him too because
1: oh. <laughs> I left uh, a message
2: for oh. him to.
0: <laughs> At least
2: you're consistent. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what uh, my point is, and again, I'm not speaking for Philip Rivers. I don't know what's going through his mind. But just but just think about this. He's never been to a Super Bowl. 17 years, great career, Hall of Fame career. And let's say Shanahan did call him. Uh, as you know, Purdy couldn't throw. Uh, they did not beat the Eagles, but had they won, maybe a fluke player or something like that, it had they won. And then he calls Phillip Rivers. Obviously, St. Michael's is done with their season, obviously. Don't you think he's got to think about it? like? Wow, a chance to be in the Super Bowl. But again, he hasn't practiced with the team. He's really not, fam- you know, that familiar with it. You know, to get, what, two weeks to get in there Here, and, and here's, play?
1: Here's what I think happened. I think it happened exactly the way Shanahan said it did. I think because it didn't happen, Philip just downplayed the whole thing so it wouldn't become an issue, not knowing that Kyle Shanahan was going to just let everybody know that that was a plan. But I absolutely believe that they talked I absolutely believe that they were on the same page about the idea of him signing uh, for that one or that two weeks in that one game. I think it was going to be done. My guess is Philip Rivers was the biggest Niners fan in the world when they played the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, But I also believe that Philip Rivers was like, okay, it just didn't work out. It's over. It's done with it. It would have been cool. Like I think he moved on very quickly from that. I don't think he was putting all his eggs in the the basket, thinking that was going to be some big comeback. I do think, uh, I do think it went down like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if if the same thing was said about Ben Roethlisberger was kind of in that same boat, and he denied any of it. But for the same reasons I explained about Rivers, it wouldn't surprise me if Roethlisberger was actually interested in doing something like that. I mean, what's the downside? You're gonna what quarterback. In your late 30s, early 40s, that still got a little something in the tank, who wouldn't sign for two weeks and and be available for the Super Bowl? Now
2: well, there's always Chase Daniels. Mm. <laughs> I heard an interview with him. That's why I brought up his name the other day. But you,
1: but right, like yeah. who, like, are you gonna tell me? Well, it might. Be, I don't even know how old Drew is now, but Drew Brees, 41 or two, right? All right, now. he's in the same. Are you gonna tell me if if, if somebody called? drew Brees and said dude we need you for four quarters we may not even play all four quarters we need some help emergency backup sign with us for a week he wouldn't at least consider it
2: hey how about this let me give you a really hypothetical what if the raiders get to the super bowl this year minority owner tom brady but the team they're facing loses their quarterback and then they call tom brady to come in. And- Help him against the Raiders, the team that he's a minority owner in. That would be really spectacular. Hey, I meant to ask you, I didn't have time because I got in here just, just about the uh, time we were starting. You really
1: need to get here earlier. I'll
2: like, try. Yeah, I really will try. Really I may, it's really frustrating. It's because I didn't have my Apple Watch with me. Oh, okay. All right. That's random. I wanted to ask you because you, you saw Pins and Valley play, I think, in person, didn't you, against McGill? Or no, am I wrong? Right? On the same page? I didn't know if you knew this player that passed away yesterday, Caleb White.
1: I didn't, but a horrific – Yeah, horrific. I'm,
2: I'm one of those medical emergencies. He's considered one of the best basketball players in the state, uh, a point guard. And I know you and I off the air had talked about Pinson Valley, but I don't know remember to what degree. And they had that medical emergency, I guess much like what happened with Bronny. But uh, he passed away yesterday. What a sad story. My gosh, they had like a workout late afternoon – or late morning – at pins and valley and he collapsed and and that's it's really i hate to see stories like this as anybody would um a story that's really funny i hope we can find rory McElroy's comments they're not they're not extended but it's about phil mickelson there's a book that has come out by one of so-called his gambling buddies which when I first saw it was kind of eye-popping, where the uh, the excerpts coming out of the book, which obviously meant to sell, that Mickelson had placed over a billion dollars on bets and all that. You know, you'd heard that. I mean, we'd heard that, you know, he was a better. But then he also mentioned about betting on the Ryder Cup, and Mickelson has denied that he ever bet on the Ryder Cup. But McElroy, playing in the FedEx St. Jude's, out of 67, not bad yesterday, came out later and said, well— I guess he's uh, okay to bet now since he's not going to be playing on the Ryder Cup this year. Yikes. It was another one of those, I can't say it like Rory did, but Rory has really been taking any kind of jab he can about the live tournament and in particular, Phil Mickelson.
1: Yeah, we love a little drama. I'm sure we do. Why I like not? it. All right. Uh, got a good one lined up for you today, as always. Zach Golson, the head football coach over at Mary G. Montgomery, uh, will join us at 630. Daniel McCarthy to talk a little... South Alabama football, and um what's going on this weekend over there? Uh, Brad Spielberger, is that? We had
2: Brad on. He's been on. He's good. Want to check with him to see who he thinks are the five best players in the SEC. And then, Get into the quarterbacks of the SEC, who he thinks are, let's say, best suited for the NFL, uh, who he thinks the the five best quarterbacks, and if any of them really have Heisman uh, Trophy uh, considerations, what with most of the attention going to Drake May and uh, Caleb Williams.
1: Uh, We'll do the Light Golf Report as well. Uh, My colleague over at AL.com, Nick Alvarez, will join us. And at 8.30, Tommy Bowden will talk about the ACC, specifically Florida State and Clemson. Tommy never short an opinion when it comes to college football, so we look forward to talking to him. Uh, coming up uh, next, we'll, we'll get you th- started with the scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, we'll tell you about, again, our uh, big day coming up in, uh, wow, less than a week. Our big, big party. We'll tell you how you can be actually be the big winner. And I got to be honest. Be honest. This day in history, from a sports standpoint, One of the most memorable. I'll explain why when we come back. It's the opening kickoff. Here comes your scoreboard. We're getting things rolling here on a Friday edition. Feel free to join us. 694-1055. How many of you wouldn't sign with an NFL team for a couple weeks knowing that the only game you had to play was the Super Bowl? Of course you would sign. And it wouldn't matter how much. Like, financially it wouldn't matter how cool would that be
2: quite a story too Mm. it would have overshadowed a lot of the stories going into that game
1: well and i think one of the reasons that philip back in march tried to tried to uh water that story down a little bit is because he i don't think he wanted the attention i don't think he wanted it to turn up being oh philip rivers is trying to make a comeback because i don't think that was the case at that point we'll continue to talk about that and much more throughout the course of our friday show stay with us it's the opening kickoff
3: Hi, right, this is Juan Sierra, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNF Week. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray and Wednesday too.
4: Thursday,
1: I don't care about you. 623. Oh, welcome back in the opening kickoff. Boys and girls. Yes, you were going to say something. Who doesn't love Friday? It's a great question. Who doesn't? I mean,
2: I love it. I can't wait for Fridays. You know, you never used to be that way. I well. know, but I have changed. If you work on the weekends maybe. It's a good call. Well, we don't know yet. Uh, you're right. Uh, if if it comes to pass where I am working on Saturday, then that changes, but now that we that I have the weekend off, I love Friday, just like the cure band.
1: Uh yeah, I mean I don't know who you know what you know what's gets you know what's kinda underrated though, in all seriousness? Thursday. Because Thursday, Thursday underrated. Thursday you get you start getting pumped up about the idea that it's Friday.
2: You know, Mark, that is so funny because I'm reading this World Series book. I'm a comedian. <laughs> yeah, you're very funny. I'm reading Breaking
1: News, Lee's so, reading a book about yeah, baseball. Yeah, well, yeah, really. And
2: and, and, whatever, and not yeah. to okay, so like I just finished a chapter where all right, I'll use a good example where it picked out highlights of World Series like game sevens. And we'll use Louis Gonzalez, game winning hit, right? Sure. But what it does Instead, it says, yeah, he got the infield hit, but it was the hit before that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, And it went like, okay, for anybody who remembers when Bill Mazeroski hit the game-winning homer, the only seventh uh, game walk-off home run in history in 1960, it was the Hal Smith homer in the eighth inning, which was the key. So here you're saying Thursday's the key.
1: I'm not saying it's the key. I'm just saying it's underrated. Just like Sunday, for a lot of people, is overrated because all you do all day Sunday is worry about and get ready for Monday. You
2: know, that's the truth, too. I don't really look forward to Sunday, but I do look forward to Friday.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad. I'm, like like most Americans, we're on the same page. Hey, I do want to share with you, by the way. Do share. Uh, Today is August 11th. So. Wow. It was August 11th, the year 2000, that Shane Falco showed up (laughs) at halftime (laughs) and led the Washington Sentinels to the playoffs with a game-winning touchdown pass as time expired. But I know you are going to roll your eyes at me. I already did. All right, but there's a baseball uh, angle to this day. What, did he because play baseball? 30 years ago, on this day, 12-year-old Henry Rowan Gardner recorded a save in his Major League Baseball debut with the Chicago Cubs. It I'm is bo- one of the glorious days in sports history. Yeah, I, wow. I missed that. I, I don't know how I did. It's and so I have to ask you all a question now. What was more impressive? Shane Falco's coming in at halftime. And reversing the Sentinels fortunes and getting to the playoffs, or Bobby Boucher showing up at halftime of the bourbon bowl and leading the Bobcat or the, the Mudcats or Mud Muddogs. Dogs, whatever they it were, there. <laughs> I wasn't there, to their win. Which was more impressive? Boucher. Boucher? Well, that's because I didn't see Shane Falco. How do you not see Shane Falco? What, what's more impressive,
5: Nick? I think Bobby Boucher overcoming the obstacles of his life to
1: get to to that point is a greater story. But Falco went against, you know, the NFL guys, uh, like the professionals, crossed the picket line. So he was playing the real Dallas team. Right. And I mean, look, well, you're getting all the Wait. credit to
2: the quarterback. He was playing the real Dallas team in fiction or in fact? No, in
1: fact. This, this is real. this is my world, Lee. So it's right.
2: fact. Okay, yeah. it's fact.
1: Yeah, in the in the movie. But he
2: didn't really they because the veterans did not cross the picket line during the strike. They except didn't. maybe a couple of them, maybe.
1: They they, didn't. they did they did they did in this movie?
2: Oh, in the movie, yeah. but I'm talking about in real life. Yeah, real no. Some cle- of them did. What
1: is real life? Seriously, you you deal in reality. Clearly, I do not. Sorry. <laughs> So the uh, the Is he in the Hall of, that,
2: of Fame. Who? Uh, the guy you Shane, Shane Falco. Yeah, cuz you talk about him so much. Is He's, he a Hall of Fame quarterback? Uh,
5: right there next to uh Steeman and Willie Beeman. Why?
2: <laughs> why did Kyle Shanahan not mention Shane Falco then as a possibility? It
1: was really between him and Johnny Utah. Johnny Utah uh played at Ohio State as well, but he had a bad knee and then he went he was a federal agent tracking down, you know. Patrick Swayze, it didn't just
2: never didn't work out for him. Never really caught on with Reeves. Now,
1: the one thing I will say about uh, Bobby Boucher, though, is he is far more versatile than Shane Falco. I mean, he played quarterback. He played uh, linebacker. Uh, he threw the ball. He caught the ball. You so know, you Flash f- Gordon
5: once was the quarterback of the Jets. That's right. And he went to fight uh, intergalactic beings. Ming. So. He took down Ming. Yeah. Uh, I might have to give him the edge, honestly. Quarterbacks are so much more than play callers. It's about what you do off the field as much as it is on the field. Yeah. yeah.
1: Steeman Willie Beeman was an artist and entertainer.
2: Hallelujah, the break.
1: Well, when we come back, Lee's going to break down every at bat for every <laughs> Major League Baseball team, and it's going to be a lot of fun. All nonfiction from here on out. Am I done? Can I go? Is that it?
5: (laughs) Yeah, we're Uh, both going to leave.
1: We're going to talk some high school uh, football. Our good friend Zach Golson joins us next. You guys continue in the app at WNSP.com. I'll take a poll. How many comments are based on fiction and how many are not? I'll get me a little pen and paper. Here's to Shane Falco and Henry Rowan Gardner. Kudos, people.
0: Good a college kicker over the last
6: two or three years as anybody could ever ask for. So uh, we're, we're really glad to have both those guys uh, back. I think it's going to be important part of, you know, you got to have great special teams and sometimes people just look at the specialist and they evaluate the special teams. So our specialists should be really, really good. So we got to build really, really good special teams around them
1: so that there you go. 6.33 here on a Friday. We're just rolling along here. That's Alabama coach Nick Saban. Um, Lee Lee, and I were having a debate. We'll get into later. So which kid had more influence on our Major League Baseball team? Was it Henry Rowan Gardner, who on this day in, uh, 30 years ago got his first save for the Chicago Cubs? Or was it Billy Haywood uh, from Little Big League who managed – the team, uh, to some big wins. Like, that kid knew baseball inside and out. He was almost as, as good at baseball as Lee was.
2: Wasn't his, like, grandfather? Yeah, his grandfather owned ran the, the, team. the team. Owned the team. Yeah. And then he passed away, and then somehow, way, this little kid yeah. who's in school— Yep. was it grammar school yeah runs the uh, the twins right he ran the twins yeah he was the manager
1: and, yeah and uh Luke collins was the big star and he sat him down because he was dating his mom I, my, like yeah. there's was, a lot of inner turmoil that they overcame but he 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 handled it like a pro i will say this if you ask
2: me to compare the movies i like them both i i can't really say i like one better than the other i would watch either or all right uh we're gonna be watching mary g montgomery very closely this year uh, that's because they're good. We're going to be out there for a game day. Their coach is Zach Golston. Zach, good morning. How are you today?
6: Morning, Lee. Good morning,
2: Mark. How are we doing this morning? I don't have a very good memory. Mark can attest to that. I can
1: confirm that to yes, be fact.
2: and I, ad- I admit it. When is the last... I- I- Mark can tell you this. We were leaving the air two days ago. The state high school football poll came out. And unless... Unless my eyes went totally backwards, MGM was in the top ten in seven A as a preseason. When's the last time that happened?
6: Uh, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I know. Uh, happy for our kids for the respect that we've been given in the preseason, but y'all know like I do. It's, a, it's a preseason polls, so we got we got a lot to prove. But we're excited about you know the. The opportunity in front of us, the kids are in a great place. They've really worked hard all off all, all season, and they we're two weeks away. I can't believe that, man. It's, it's really kind of got up on us fast, but we're excited about it.
2: All right, let me ask you this what was your reaction when you saw it?
6: Uh, honestly, I, I didn't, there wasn't much of a reaction. I said, I know we've got to manage those expectations. and we talked about it a little bit. Um, so I kind of heard people whispering about it, but reality is, you lose one game, you'd be right up out of the top ten. So uh, we're just focused on trying to get ourselves better and uh, you know prepare for our games the way that we need to to have success on the field. And had a really good start to the school year. I think our, our admin and our teachers and our students done a really good job uh, starting out. And, you know, been a really smooth start, even though we've had schedule changes, we've moved to a period schedule. Day seems to be flying by fast. It's, uh, you know, like I said, I think we're in a good place. We've got a big event tonight got our lift-a-thon and community pep rally. We'll have our middle school over, Sims Middle over, and could be a lot of people in our stadium for a fun night tonight. It starts at 4:30 start with our lift-a-thon, and at 6 o'clock, we'll have a big community pep rally. So, Everybody's getting fired up.
2: What's the lift-a-thon? What's that?
6: So it's a fundraiser that we do. We'll have all of our players, our freshmen, and our varsity team will come out. We'll do a bench press, and kids raise money based on how much they lift. That's how, that's how it started out. Now, it's not quite the same as it used to be, but that's, that's kind of the uh, the premise of it.
1: All right, Zach, I got some ideas about this because I'm familiar with the lift-a-thon. <laughs> One. Okay. I think people would contribute more if the coaches benched (laughs) to bring Shervanian out, let him lift, and you'll have a packed house guaranteed. We'd have to promote it a little bit. Come on.
2: Come on, bring him
1: out. What do I have to lift? Uh, You know, what do you think, 225, put a couple wheels on each end there, coach? What are you thinking? Yeah, at least at least 225, no doubt. I mean, you might need icy hot on 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 standby and a couple spotters, but other than that, I, I think you're ready to roll. That's all right.
2: What yeah, can, can you can lift, lift, Zach? Zach, how? What can you lift? What are you at?
6: Uh, that's a, that's a great question. It's been a minute since I lifted, so I'm not really sure to be honest with you. No, we got some coaches on our staff. They can move some weight, though, so they uh, that sometimes they'll pull them in there on the on the uh, bench and get them going. so it's uh, we got we got a few guys that can move weight still.
2: I, were you in I being facetious. Were you in grammar school the last time MGM was relevant the the last time I remember them being relevant, and again, my my memory is hazy was when Scott Leslie was coaching. Have they had success yep. since then?
6: I mean, the last time they made the playoffs was in 2002. Uh, they had, I want to say they went 9-1 that year, maybe. And uh, so that, I was I was a senior in high school that year, Lee. Come on now. not about you?
1: So, in all seriousness, though, but what, what we're talking about here just seems to be another – um, another issue that you have to be concerned with going into the season, right? Because of those expectations, as you pointed out earlier, you need to make it a point to make sure your guys are grounded and, you know, not every team in this area is having to deal with that issue.
6: Yeah, we we talked about this. We, we expected this really. Even last year, we thought we had a good team, a good roster. and So we, we kind of told our guys, you know, I know we've dealt with, Kind of the flip side in the past, right? The expectations are are low. And maybe people, you know, don't support us if we're not win if we're not winning. Yeah, so now it's the flip side. Everybody's going to be patting you on the back and talking about you. Yeah, so certainly, there's challenges and how you handle that from a mentality standpoint. Um, I think, you know, the fun part for us is on offense and defense. There's been such good competition. Uh, position battles are uh, really almost at every position there's guys competing for opportunities to play which certainly helps drive guys to get better and, and constantly want to improve and, and really just be focused on each day one day at a time I've got to go be the best just so I can get on the field on, on our on our team and so you know that's been it's been kind of easy to, to keep them focused on that because of competition and uh, you know at the end of the day, this is what you play for, man. You wanna, you want these expectations. You want to uh, feel like the work you put in is is something that you know creates expectations to be the best in the state, and that's that's where our guys are. And you know, it's it's going to be a fun year. Um, got a tough schedule. There's a lot of good teams on the schedule, and good coaches and good players. So every week's going to be extremely competitive. And I think, like I said, that's that's why we get into this. That's why we play the game. So we're excited about the opportunity.
2: Zach, again, if I could, I, and, and you know, maybe I should temper my excitement, but I, I was just so happy to see it. I mean, you look at the top ten that comes out preseason: Thompson, Hoover, Central of Phoenix City, and just a little ways down, Mary G Montgomery. I mean, you got to understand, like I hadn't seen that. And, and and Baker wasn't in there, and Fairhope wasn't in there. You know, two two teams that, you know, many consider pretty good. So I'm just so proud of what you've done there at Mary G Montgomery. And like you said, I know one loss could, you know, knock you out. But who, you know, and, and obviously you'd like to go through the season undefeated. But the fact that you get respect like this going into the season, I think is terrific.
6: Oh uh, well, we appreciate appreciate the people around the state, sports writers, for you know, seeing us this way i think that our body of work from start really i guess to end the last season to throughout the spring and summer we've had some really good uh showing seven on seven camps and obviously those are just seven on seven but we got some good players man our quarterback jared Hollins and James Bolton, running backs, Troy Flowers, all these guys are going to be college football players, but like you mentioned, man, Baker's got four or five college football players uh, at least, and then Fairhope's always a great team, Foley's a great team, Daphne, great team, so we're going to have our work cut out for us, and I'm sure people are going to use this against us, but you know, at the end of the day, we're really just focused on ourselves, going out and getting, getting better, and being the best that we can be, and, and go compete to the, to the best level that we can on Friday night. So we're excited about it, though.
1: Zach, after, after Lee's comments right there, I'm thinking you might need to bring him in next time. There, uh, you know, your contracts up. You need, some, you need to renegotiate those numbers, man. He, he's that was quite a spiel, man. I got all, I got all <laughs> teary-eyed over here. <laughs> But, Zach okay, you're telling negotiate for
2: me now you're telling me that nobody brought this in and pasted it on the bulletin <laughs> board now come God. on you, you can't tell me I'm that sure I,
6: uh, I'm sure everybody on our schedule posted it on their, if I was uh, exactly I, I used to uh, <laughs> when
2: I was in high school believe it or not I actually do a, a sports cast on the PA system can you imagine if I, that would have been my lead I, I would have dominated with that if I was doing your PA at the MGM.
6: No doubt, no doubt. Our people are really excited, man. Our community's fired up, our, our parents, and all the support that, that our whole, like I said, the whole Sims community has given us has been amazing. And, uh, you know, I think we've kind of talked about that as well. We want to go make you know, our community proud, and make them happy for, for the, the type of ball that we're going to play, and uh, we want to make sure that we leave it all out there on the field every day.
2: How many kids showed up for practice? Uh, in lieu of what's going on now, what did you get?
6: Yeah, we have got right around the 95 to 100 that have been really consistent. Uh, we do have about 55 freshmen, and there's some really talented kids in that group that are going to end up dressing with us on Friday night. So, um, I think we yesterday we scrimmaged varsity uh, and our JV and our freshman scrimmage, and I think we had a little right out 150 kids out there. So, definitely exciting.
1: Coach, we appreciate it, man. We wish you the best of luck. Uh, Your promoter here, Lee, will certainly be in touch. Uh, And just for the record, as impressive as lift-a-thons are, they're not as skilled as shoot-a-thons. Now, that's a whole different story. That's a thing of beauty and grace right there. Here's the extent of my lift right there, bottle of water. Wow. All right. Lee's getting chippy over here, Coach. We're going to go.
2: Seriously, if you want to make it a big deal, have Nick Wiggins come out there. He's an MGM alum.
6: Yeah. Come on, Nick. Come on out there. Come on out there tonight, man. We'll get you started.
1: You gonna present the pr- you're gonna present the plaque o- over the urinal in the men's bathroom to Nick? <laughs> I think my name's already uh, up guys, there. Appreciate somewhere. Appreciate y'all, man.
6: Appreciate I, it, Mark. Appreciate it, Lee. I'll
1: be good. Yeah, man. Thank you. It's already up there? Yeah. You're
5: Did like you Adam Sandler and Big wall? Daddy. You want me to just write it on the wall?
1: Did you,
2: <laughs> Did you gra- do graffiti on the wall in high school, Nick?
5: No, but I do remember when I was about to do my senior prank, someone got there like a couple hours before us and graffitied the whole wall. And then when everyone got there, we were there like about to start our prank. That was a lot less um, destructive. And then we had to plead our case that, that it wasn't
2: us.
1: We weren't ready. We we didn't break the rules. We were getting ready to, but it wasn't <laughs> yeah, us. <right. laughs>
2: Were you, did you leave in good standing? Because <laughs> every time you talk about <laughs> what happened out there, it seems like you were doing something wrong. Like, were you in the principal's office a lot? No, never the principal's office. They,
5: I didn't do anything seir- too serious to get sent all the way up the ladder. But I dealt with some assistant principals, <laughs> though. Or maybe they dealt with you. Yeah. yeah. I had you- one teacher, man. I think we're on good terms now, but... And she sent me to the office every day, every single day. At that point, she's profiling. Like you're
1: not. They're not even like honestly. giving you a chance.
5: You know what? You know what I think it is. It's premeditation. She's my Spanish teacher, right? And I think maybe she thought that I knew Spanish based off my look. Therefore, yes, racial profiling. And I think that she thought I was just such a slacker because I was doing so bad on the tests. I don't know. But I remember I got sent to the office for sneezing one time. <laughs> was it
1: legit sneezing?
2: <laughs> was that
5: because of stuff you were you
1: So what, you were being
2: disruptive. W- was that because of stuff you were What's putting up say? your nostrils to, to sneeze or what?
5: Uh, no, I was not <laughs> putting anything in my So nostril. we went
1: from Nick being disruptive, disruptive to snorting coke <laughs> in Spanish class.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, I remember one time. So we're there was this girl. She was like the valedictorian, skipped a grade. That's pretty rare nowadays, right? And we're all like, "Look, if you'll just pass all of us your test and your homework before she takes it up, like we'll, we'll we'll do anything you need us to." And we're passing it around. Everybody's copying the answers. When it gets to me, of course, teacher walks by. What is that? Are you cheating? and then she uh, looks at Genesis was her name and probably still is and she was like ahead. did he steal this from you <laughs> 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 and what was the answer she was like no 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 and then she's like i like she was like kind of like look i know you're scared to maybe say the truth so i'm just going to send him to the office
1: <sighs> labels man you can't get rid of them
5: but then i started working at a grocery store and every day she'd come in and say hey nick how are you doing miss you in my class Yeah, she wants some free groceries. Ain't happening. Yeah, maybe that is what it is.
1: Yeah, I ain't down with that. All right, you learned a lot today. Today's a big day in sports history. Apparently, Nick snorted Coke in Spanish class. (laughs) I didn't say Coke, you did. Well, what else is he snorting? That's up to him
2: and you, but you, you, the one who referenced that, I just said was something, maybe it was a nasal spray. Yeah,
5: that's probably what it was, my bad. I would I'll just be. like grind my eraser on my paper to where all the dust comes off. and Yeah, then I'd that's put that another in the pile reason. Yeah, for sniff sure. It.
1: Man, addicts will do anything to get that high, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That Elmer glue. Yeah. That's that high quality stuff there, that Elmer right. glue. Then those expo markers.
5: Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, you got a lot of options. Yeah. <laughs> we could trade stories look, look on. Look at
1: Nick sp- now.
2: He's getting the shakes back there. It's like it's all coming back to yeah, him. We could all trade right. stories on Spanish teachers. I had a. I caramba! I had two Spanish teachers with stories to tell.
1: All right, well, there's no time like the present, so we'll Wh- come back. What foreign languages did you? Did do you, you want to do it now? Mark. We can do it now. No. What What foreign language did you take, Mark? Uh, English, Spanish. <laughs> he took English, Spanish. And your Spanish teacher was. I had a number. Spanish. Uh, one was. You know I always hate when you walked into Spanish like your first Spanish class and like the or in any foreign language it probably happened. They were trying to impress upon you that this is the language we're going to speak so you you come in and they know you know nothing and they just start speaking Spanish for like 5 minutes just to prove a point. We're like, "Yeah, yeah, we get it. You know Spanish. We do." Hola. Wait, is this the r- mine the right class? Yeah. We said, I used to Como have to, to, just, have to pray in Spanish I when I went to my Catholic high school. I, that's the only thing I know in Spanish still is the Our prayer. Father won't bore you with it. Wrapping up our number one next.
7: This is George Potter, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFT.
8: And McKenzie says with the playoffs on the line. Go for it. Get to the playoffs. Something in
0: Washington has not been able to do against Dallas in over seven years.
1: There he is, the man, the myth, the legend.
0: Comes Falco. Falco's what
1: happened to I mean, I've. Big part of that night was the, the the number one broadcast team was calling that game. Who's that? John Madden, Pat Summerall were calling that game. That was them. They want to know what happened to Brett Martell. He got kicked out of the locker room because Shane Falco showed up. <clears throat> Memorable. That was 23 years ago today, Shane Falco. All right, what are your uh, Spanish stories? What are your Spanish uh, class stories? Well, the first one,
2: his name was Mister Perez, nice. Or Senor Perez. Senor Perez, really nice guy, and he took me and a classmate. Now remember, we were in New Jersey. Took us to <laughs> a uh, a Mets a Mets baseball okay, game good. in New York. Obviously, the Polo Grounds. Can you imagine today if a teacher took two students across? State lines,
1: much less another country, right? Too soon. Hashtag, yeah, exactly. Hashtag too
2: soon. Charges like uh, endangerment, kidnapping. All he did was take us to a baseball game. But this, you know, well, we if were your parents work. signed
1: the consent form,
2: there was no consent form. Oh. I don't even remember how it all happened. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reasons, lured you with candy. I don't the think other, they
5: invented consent until the late '80s, maybe. Right. Yeah.
2: So he just he said, "Look, we were going to a game, and he took us. I don't remember why or how, but." I'm just thinking that had that happened today, you can imagine the headlines. Yep. Now, the other Spanish story, this uh, young Spanish, attractive uh, teacher, she came along Señorita. after Mr. Perez. Yes, sen- senorita. <laughs> but she wasn't really Spanish. Don't get me wrong. She was not Spanish. And on class night, not me, but uh, Course not. people like Nick, you know, who— right who did class night skits
1: yes they
2: they really brought her down uh because she was having extracurricular activity with a gym teacher and she was there with her husband i don't know exactly what happened but i heard it didn't go well but i Mm. you know i can't confirm or deny that Mm. but they did make mention of that in their skit something Ah, that nick would have done
1: yeah been there been there done that
2: what are you, about you in Spanish? <laughs> you have any excitement in Spanish?
1: I I can't say I can't say uh, I I had any. Uh, so
2: could you actually? You said uh, they made you say well, didn't make, but prayers in Spanish before you start the yeah, class. Yeah,
1: because I went to a Catholic high school in New Orleans, I gotcha. so we had to pray. We you prayed before every class, and then of course every class. Yeah, every you started every geez. class with a with a prayer. Did you do lat, Did you take Latin? You get, I did not. Did it increase your grades? No, actually we got great. We on your we, side? we did the Our Father and the Hail Mary and the Glory Be, and I. I think I remember, like, so I used to, like, tell my kids I could speak Spanish, and I would just change up my inflection and do the Our Father. They had no idea what I was doing. Like, so you go, like, Padre Nuestro, que está en el cielo, de voluntad en el cielo. When you did... To
2: when you did the Alex name and bit, <laughs> what language was that? Remember the one you did that uh, was in another language? Was that Spanish? I think we did Spanish. Or your version of Spanish.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can pronounce words, but I can't. I mean, I can't formulate. uh,
2: Oh, I took three years and I can't speak a word of it. Yeah. Nick, can you? Uh, Hola,
5: hola, como te llamas? Me llamo Nick. Y tu?
1: Me llamo Marcus. Bien, bien, muy bien. <laughs> <laughs> so we should do the rest of the show in Spanish. See, si. We just, like, while he's asking his question, I'll go to, like, Google Translate, and I'll figure out what my question is and just ask the next guest. Who's our next guest? Daniel McCarthy over at yeah, South Alabama. Introduce
5: him in Spanish and have
2: him, like,
1: think, like, wait, am I on the wrong
0: show?
2: <laughs>
1: <sighs> All right, hour number two. So we, glad it's Friday. Uh, this is so... Lee Shervanian, hour number two. Guest, 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 guest. Back to back to back to back to back. Daniel McCarthy, Alec Naiman, Brad Spielberger, John Ricchetti, and Nick Alvarez. And at 8.20, I will come back and talk. It's the opening gig off right? Work on your Spanish,
2: yeah. No, wh- why don't you ask John Ricchetti a question in Spanish? See if mm. he can answer it.
5: No, he speaks Canadian.
2: Canadian Spanish.
5: <laughs> you like
1: golf, <laughs> eh? <laughs> All right. Stay with us.
0: This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian the opening kick-off. kickoff kickoff here are mark and lee all
1: right hour number two is here after a very eventful hour number one we uh, appreciate i got a ton of feedback here let me share one with you because i thought it was uh it was really funny there was actually two about spanish class i know i'm prolonging uh prolonging this but this guy uh, one of our listeners junior year he had a japanese teacher that taught french class First day when she spoke, it was like watching a badly dubbed Godzilla movie, which might be the 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 uh the comment of the day in the app. And then the other one was my first Spanish teacher at Murphy when I was in ninth grade made us work on the on the month September for a whole month and a half before we moved out on. About fifteen kids transferred from her class before September ended. So there you go. Continue with your stories in the app. I'm wildly amused couple of headlines, uh,
2: 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan revealed yesterday that to compensate for the numerous quarterback injuries he suffered in 2022, that one plan was if they reached the Super Bowl, was to bring in Phillip Rivers from St. Michael's High School. Of course, they got beat by the Eagles because they didn't have a quarterback that could throw a pass late in the game. Uh, the most recent revelation out of the Iowa gambling probe centers on reggie bracy and a number of other iowa and iowa state student athletes bracy had transferred to troy troy has suspended him now because he has been charged in connection with that gambling probe that is still going on uh bracy who started st paul's allegedly placed bets on two iowa games in which he played and he used teammates accounts i think was DraftKings to place about 650 bets totaling $750 or $715. But again, that probe continues. And four Iowa State players also involved the latest. And Mark, they were all starters, including their leading running back. All right. Uh, big day at South, South Alabama tomorrow. I think we have a football scrimmage. We've got fan fest, And I've got Daniel McCarthy of the Athletic Administration joining us right now. Daniel, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today?
3: Morning, guys. I feel like I should say, hola, como estas, but we'll we leave it be, at that.
1: Muy bien, he too. <laughs> da- I, I'm guessing
2: Daniel's very educated. How many languages do you speak? <laughs> none,
3: none. I, I speak one, I, I, uh, I, and it's a struggle to get that one out.
1: Well, radio's perfect then for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You played football,
2: didn't you, in uh, high school, college?
3: Uh, not, definitely not college and and barely a little bit in high school, yes.
2: What are you looking at? Those
3: are not glory days, though. There's nothing good to speak (laughs) of from that
2: time. Daniel McCarthy has been with South Alabama for a number of years now and uh, is uh, right up there in the, what, I, I, titles elude me. You know that, Daniel. I'm not going to, assistant athletic director good, associate athletic director, or?
3: I'll take any of them, Lee's Deputy Athletic Director. But that usually comes with a Barney Fife joke of some sort. So we can we can go whatever you'd like.
1: Not on this show. We are strict sports, and we're very serious here at WNSP. <laughs> As you notice, know, well, it's he did... good
2: to be on. I appreciate you guys inviting he, he me. You say, me on this morning. He didn't say with a straight face. I can tell you that. All right, uh, you've been attending practices for the Jags scrimmage tomorrow with with every, almost everybody back. What are you looking for tomorrow?
3: Well, I think um, you know. I think this this whole off season has just been about kind of turning up the volume. Um, last year was great, right? Everybody, um, there's so many so many records that fell, so many things to be proud of and excited about uh, a ten win season. Um, but the sort of the narrative in the off season, I think, has been the three losses, right? And what can we take away from those? And how can we motivate um, coming into a year that you're turning the page? But you got a, a great level of expectation, you know, on this team. And, you know, Kane talks a lot about a neutral mindset, you know, so I think that's sort of, even though there's a lot to be excited about, there's a lot of depth and, and veterans on this roster, um, I think that's, that's, um, and those expectations are going to be there. I think it's been a very neutral mindset. Work hard every day to get better. Um, you know, details are important. So I think that's what the off season and the preseason has been all about is, Despite having the veteran core that you've got coming back, you still got to still got to work on those details and those those those, those the, the, the everyday execution and every little moment. And so I think uh, the scrimmage tomorrow will be a lot of situations, uh, a lot of getting after it. The practices have been intense. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about the intensity. Uh, they were getting after it yesterday in full pads for the first time. But um, I expect to see uh, a pretty high energy, uh, and we'll really kind of find out who we are in a lot of ways.
2: All right, and after the scrimmage, it's uh, from 1 to 3 at Hancock-Whitney Stadium, the Fan Fest. Tell us about it.
3: Yep. Yeah, and let me say first, the scrimmages are closed. So for fans that may be coming out for Fan Fest, the scrimmage itself in the morning is closed. But Fan Fest does kick off at 1 here at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. Um, We're going to have probably the thing that the folks should be the most excited about, other than getting a chance to hear from the coaches and and meet the players, is we're, we're doing a yard sale. Uh, in the core industries lounge here on the west side of the stadium which is an opportunity for fans to get uh, some game warm jerseys some some helmets some various uh, athletic gear that that we've got available for sale so we did this a couple years ago it was hugely successful Um, it's been fun to see people wearing old jerseys up in the stands uh, the last couple years but encourage everybody to come out open the gates at one o'clock that's when the yard sale starts uh, you'll hear from the cheerleaders, you'll hear the band, and then our coaches for all of our fall sports. Uh, we'll kind of give a rah rah sis boom for speech the, for, the, for the group, and then we're going to do some autographs. And then we kind of cap off the evening um, in, with women's soccer host in Auburn here at uh, on campus at 6 o'clock. So a lot of things going on tomorrow, and a great time to be a JAG.
2: I mean, how can people get tickets for uh, football games?
3: So uh, tickets are still available. You can call 4611-USA, go to usajaguars.com slash tickets. Uh, we still have season tickets available. Our single-game tickets went on sale uh, last week. Um, but, you know, it's, it, you need to get them now. This, this has the, op- the chance to be a, a really special year. I think there's a lot of expectation. You know, you open the season at Tulane, the defending Cotton Bowl champions uh, pick to win the American. Uh, big opportunity, I think, as we get closer to that game. The 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 national audience is going to realize the significance of that from a group of five standpoint. That's going to be a big game that will set the tone. So, you know, a lot of momentum, and I just encourage folks to get on board. It's going to be it's going to a fun year, and, and we want people here to support this team.
2: Daniel started out in compliance, and I don't think I've ever asked you this question, but I'm kind of curious because so many times we come on and talk about this transfer portal and how some of these student athletes are at their third or fourth school. Did you ever have to deal with a – a student athlete who'd been at to at least two or three different schools and how do you keep track of their credits how where they are academically
3: yeah it's uh, i mean there there there's always been um situations that allowed for waivers of normal application of rules right so whether student athletes had a couple of injuries in their time or they had to move for financial reasons for their family or medical reasons. Those have always existed. So I, I have dealt with some complex situations. I'll say, I'll say being here during that early start of football, that was probably the most interesting in my entire compliance life because when we started this program in '09, there were a lot of people who showed up on our doorstep wanting to be a part of it um, and, and trying to, I remember sitting in my little office and just going one at a time. Like I had a line out my door and I would just sit down with each student and just say, okay, tell me where you started school. <laughs> when did you graduate high school? Uh, and it was, there was a whole lot of stories in there that I had never seen before. So it, it's a challenge today's environment is very different. Um, and, and I don't necessarily miss those compliance days if I'm being honest.
1: Uh, Daniel, as always, uh, we appreciate the time by the way is, uh, Cisqumba is that Spanish by the way?
3: Uh I uh, that that sounds Latin to me. I don't know.
1: Okay. That's a, well, you know, that's the root of everything. So that's a good answer. Good save by you. Um hey, hey,
3: can <laughs> I, I got to point out one thing before I go. Sure. I text Lee texted me the other day yeah. and it came through in a blue bubble. Does he have a smartphone now?
1: I can confirm an iPhone I can guy? I confirm the I can confirm those rumors. That is indeed accurate. Wow. Yes. How crazy wow. is that? Wow
3: yeah wow that's bigger than conference realignment transfer portal and all of it that's big <laughs> right news
1: right, right when you talk about how the the college football landscape <laughs> is changing that is number one on the list for sure <laughs> in fact i can't get him off the phone he's like a he's like a 14 year old kid now he's like got his head buried in the phone tweet texting him if I, i'm trying to get him to tweet
3: is he on tiktok yet that's
1: that's next. Uh I think he might have been the subject of a TikTok, but I don't think he's actually on TikTok if you hear if All you right. hear what I'm putting down. Uh, let, let me tell you the latest in this oh, boy. All right. So the other day <laughs> Daniel uh Uh-oh. Ooh, seemed, had a that <laughs> uh, sounded condescending. Listen, well, son.
2: Yeah. Um Oklahoma, the radio station out there. We've had James Hale on this station. Very rarely do I do interviews. I mean, I'll do them, but if somebody asks me, but I don't usually get contacted like Mark does because, you know, I'm not as controversial as Mark. But um, the, James Hale asked me to be on their show live because sometimes they tape these things. And so he introduces me. He says, and now we have Lee Shervaney. And, and, well, he asked me to pronounce the name and all that. And then he said, and you can follow Lee on Twitter. Yeah. And I stopped him immediately. <laughs> I said... Don't go there because you're not going to get anything. I said, yes, Mark set up a Twitter account, but nobody's following me.
1: That's not true. You're just not tweeting. No.
2: I don't even know how to do it.
1: Uh, Daniel, you want to come over?
3: We're making progress. I like it.
1: Yeah, well, now you know the struggle. It's a daily struggle here at WNSP, and I'm working on it. I'm trying to be patient.
2: What did you say say I did, though?
1: Some kind of blue whatever? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what was that? You need, a, you need to be
3: verified. You need a verified account. That's what celebrities.
1: Are. No, he's talking about uh, the blue text. He's yeah, confused by the yeah, blue that's text. That's uh,
3: I'll, I'll yeah, when you when you get a, an iMessage, it comes through on your on my screen as a as a little blue bubble, which tells me you're you're sending me a text from an iPhone, and I had not seen that in any of the texts from you before, so it it caught me off guard.
1: And when it's I not it. when it's not from an iPhone, it's green. All right, I didn't know that. Clearly, and that's okay. Yeah. Now now all our listeners know too, because I'm sure none of them knew that either.
0: Well, the incremental
3: progress. We just took a big step forward.
1: Yeah, you giving out bottled water tomorrow when people come out there,
2: one to it three. It is going to be end- hot.
3: So I yeah. would definitely yes. We will make sure that, that there's an opportunity to stay hydrated, but uh, wear your sunscreen and you know be ready for a little heat. But it's that time of year. We've all dealt with it all summer. It's, it's going to be a hot start to the season, but. I hope that doesn't discourage people from coming out and supporting us. Um, Like I said, it's going to be a lot of fun this year.
2: Hey, by the way, we have a uh, WNSP party coming up next Thursday. You're invited. August 17th
1: at Heroes, right around the corner from you on Old Shaw Road. Come on by, say hi. too
3: convenient to pass up. I'll be there.
1: And tell Kane, too, because I saw Kane yesterday. Kane's a man now. That dude was in a sweatshirt when I saw him on the news last night. It's like 120 (laughs) in the shade. What's he doing?
3: It, always. I, I mean, you, you will not come to a practice when he's not in a sweatshirt. He'll run out of the tunnel on September 2nd at Tulane when it's 92 degrees in a sweatshirt. Well, he'll, ta-
1: he'll take it off when I got to stick IV in his arm to get him fluids. <laughs> All right, man. Always fun. Appreciate All it. All right. Later. Cool. Appreciate that's, it, guys. Yep, that's Daniel McCarthy. All right, we come back. Scoreboard, traffic, weather, Alec Naaman. Nothing like standing over a hot grill. Muy caliente. Yeah.
5: In fuego.
1: Yeah. Standing over a hot grill, sitting under a heat dome. Good times. All right. Continue with the comments. In the app at WNSP.com. I got to get you the details on our fall football preview party. I'll do that as well when we come back. So stay with us. The opening kickoff rolled along on a Friday, or as they say in Spanish, Friday. Friday. <laughs>
4: My name is Robert Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You'll listening to WNSP. All
0: right,
1: 724. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff. Me and Jimmy Buffett are fighting over who's going to be louder. Oh, there he is, yeah. Simmer down, Jimmy. Alec Nabin joins us now,
2: and Alex, with the temperatures soaring and so hot, is it just better to come over to your uh, catering place and order in and take it home and not have to worry about barbecuing outside?
4: Man, I'm telling you, it's pretty hot to go grilling, but, you know, we'll be out there grilling, I gotta tell you, we we grill no matter if it's 100 to 150, <laughs> we grill. <laughs> uh, you know, I got the tailgate packages out now, we're talking football here, I guess, pretty soon, so we'll get ready and do some tailgate giveaways, how about that, you like that idea? Who,
1: who doesn't like tailgating, man? That's one of the biggest things we do around here, man. And, and it's all about Alec Naiman. <laughs> well, I'll
4: make sure they invite you this time, okay? I'll put that in the requisite that they have to invite you to come over for the tailgate party.
1: Yeah, we'll write that we in the contract. Do- I like it. <laughs>
4: Hey, guess what? we got got Business Expo down at the Convention Center with the Chamber of Commerce uh, next Thursday. So uh, come down and we'll be sampling up a bunch of our bittles, you know, so come down we'll get you fed. Our freezer's full of casseroles and gumbo and stuff, so it's real easy to just swoop through, pick out what you want and go. But if you want something special, uh, we'll make it for you. You can pick it up hot and ready to eat or go home and uh, we make you bake. We like that kind of stuff, Got back to school, so our little freezer casseroles and different things can make life real easy for Mama, I gotta tell you. So, yep. hey, if you're booking a Christmas party, we're taking bookings right now, so call us for Christmas if you're thinking about it. What you think, guys? We're gonna have a great uh, football season this year. I'm excited for my Jags. I'll just give you gold Jags. That'll wake everybody up.
1: We appreciate it, Alec. Have a great weekend, sir. Stay hydrated.
4: Y'all have a great one, man. Take care.
1: God bless you. Yep. Speaking of uh, PSAs, and we do hope he stays hydrated, uh, I do want to tell you that August 17th is the day, right? This year has been our 30th anniversary. WNSP has been on the air 30 years. The party continues. That's right. The fall football preview party is Thursday at Heroes uh, on Old Shell. We're going to have some special guests show up. And up for grabs because it's year 30 a mini man cave. That's right. We have from, um, Barrow Fine Furniture has supplied a $1,800 recliner. And, thanks to Bailey's TV and Mattress, a 65-inch 4K TV. We're giving both away to one lucky listener. Details are coming, but I can tell you this much. You're going to have to be there to win it. So come on by. We'll have some other things, too. I think there's going to be some golf passes and some uh, some T-shirts, WNSP T-shirts. Um, Lee Shravanian's going to be there. I mean, pfft. at least for his contracted 30 minutes. That's right. He's contractually obligated to be there for hey, 27 minutes. We give him three minutes to park. I canceled a trip to Europe just to be there. Wow. You <whistles> could have called in. Uh, Collect. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Want to thank Barrow Fine Furniture and of course Bailey's TV and Mattress for making that happen. Uh, but it's a huge gift, um, and we really want to see you guys out there. It's that one probably at one or two times a year we get all get together and hang out. So it should be a lot of fun. And there's really a, a no better place uh, from a floor uh, plan standpoint. We've been we've been to Heroes for the fall football preview before out there in West Mobile. It, it's been a minute, but uh, it's always a lot of fun. No better so. place, no better prize.
5: And no better people to spend the time
1: with than us. And we'll do it in English. How about that? See? She? 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 Yeah. All right, so what are we doing next? Oh, we're talking SEC quarterbacks. Do you think uh, Brad might have some analytics on Shane Falco? You can
2: ask him. I can't answer that question, but you can ask him.
1: So 30 years, uh, not 30 years, uh, 23 years ago today, Shane Falco showed up at halftime and led the Washington Sentinels. ...to the playoffs with a game-winning TD pass as time expired. They beat Dallas. All his guys, they crossed the picket line in a bunch of scabs. Beat professional a, a professional they, team they August were playing 11th. A, they were playing a game in early August. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the whole strike threw things all out of I whack. See. But my okay. question to you guys is, who had the most impressive showing? Was it Shane Falco or Bobby Boucher? who also showed up at halftime for the Mud Dogs in the Bourbon Bowl. It's a big topic of debate on today's show. Hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus is next. 7.32 here on a Friday edition. Thanks for hanging with us here on the opening kickoff. Mark, Lee, Triple G, all in the studios of WNSP. Let's talk some uh, SEC
2: football with Brad Spielberger. He is with Pro Football Focus. Brad, welcome to the opening kickoff here in Mobile. How are you today?
8: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
2: All right. I want to start out with this. Five best players coming into this SEC football season, according to Pro Football Focus. The five best right now.
8: I don't know if I can speak on the entirety of the pro football focus, but uh, there are, of course, a ton of great players coming into this season. I think for me, uh, in no particular order, I think Brock Bowers at Georgia, the tight end, is a potential first-round top 15 pick at tight end, a dynamic player, can make plays all over the football field, um, can win deep, can can make guys miss in the open space, Um, a phenomenal player. Uh, I'll go with a couple um, emerging, young, good edge rushers. I'll start with Dallas Turner at Alabama. Um, A very good player, a little bit undersized, but I think you add some weight to his frame as he grows up in this defense. I think he's going to be a special player, Um, and and the same applies to Harold Perkins at LSU. We saw his bend last year off the edge, truly special, Um, a guy that I think is going to continue to play more and more um, and make a massive, massive difference. Then I'll stick in at LSU with a guy that that hurt himself celebrating a play very early on. people, People may have forgotten about him, Mason Smith. Um, but is a, a dynamic and, and really athletic guy on the interior, can, can shed tackle, can shed blockers, can do a lot of things up the middle. Uh, last but not least, I'll go, I guess I'll go back to Alabama. I think J.C. Latham, the tackle, uh, played some right tackles, played in the interior a little bit. I think he will play out at tackle again this year, and I think he could play his way into the first round, one of the first offensive linemen taken in the draft class.
2: Brad, is this a good year for quarterbacks in the SEC, and how would you rate the top five?
8: Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I think there are, you know, a good blend of younger and older players, uh, you know, to where you have the Jaden Daniels of the world at LSU, um, you know, who obviously is going to, you know, make a lot of plays, has a lot of good players to throw to Malik neighbors and some of those weapons there. Uh, I think KJ Jefferson at Arkansas has continued to get better and better uh, and and take strides in that offense. I I would throw him in that conversation as well. Um, Let's see who else here you got. You know, look, Joe Milton hasn't played a ton. We saw one or two games last year. One pendant hooker went down with an injury, uh, but the transfer from Michigan has a gigantic arm, can throw the ball probably 70 yards uh, at minimum. Uh, He's probably going to work his way into that conversation. I think Will Rogers, again, one of the more veteran players in Mississippi State, Um, Been there for a while, already, you know, probably has some records, going to set some more this season in terms of longevity, Um, a good player. And then, interesting, Uh, look, I mean, I'll probably go at this point with Spencer Rattler uh, at South Carolina. I think he's starting to work his way back into – You know, had a lot of buzz a couple years ago at Oklahoma. Um, Finally settled in with Shane Beamer in South Carolina. I think you're going to see him make a ton of plays. And that team be maybe, you know, a a competitive team throughout the entire season in the SEC.
2: Are you sold on Carson Beck, who replaces uh, Bennett for Georgia at quarterback?
8: Yeah, you know, I think whenever you have Georgia, uh, you know, building up and and developing a quarterback, uh, you have to trust they're going to know what they're doing there. Um, They've clearly, you know, earned some credibility with back to back national championships, and I think Bennett, you know, look, like he's a 25 year old rookie in the NFL. It can be hard to supplant a player like that. In college, Um, but yeah, everything I've seen from Beck so far, spring games the the rare moments where he does get on the field, he clearly has the tools Um, now it's just up to him to work with him at offense, work with guys like a Brock Bowers, Um, I I think they're going to figure it all out.
2: Brad Spielberger with uh, Pro Football Focus care to speculate on as you analyze quarterbacks on which of the five that are competing for Alabama might start or who has the best chance to start or has the most pro potential?
8: Yeah, I mean, it, it is going to be an interesting battle there. I think it probably comes down to, um, you know, Jalen Milrow. And I think Tyler Buchner has a shot as well. Uh, like you said, it's a lengthy list of players, um, different skill sets, different styles of how they play football. I guess, you know, I, because Milroe has the highest ceiling, I think he really does. Um, can make plays outside of structure, can, can do different things. I guess I'll, I'll lean towards him, but it, it does seem fairly wide open at this point.
1: So, Brad, help me out here. For, uh, Nick Saban talks a lot about when it came, comes to his quarterbacks, he, he just he wants guys to make the right decisions. Uh, and, you know, every coach says that. What do you look at when coaches say that from an analytical standpoint? does that mean something to you? Is there a way that you guys can tell whether they're making the right decisions and do you grade them on something like that?
8: I think the biggest data point I would point to for me, particularly in college, is really just pressure to stack rate. So what we look at is, you know, when, it, when a quarterback gets pressured, that is the offensive line fault. They're allowing the pressure to get through. But... We, we actually think, that, you know based on the data and looking at historical evidence, then it's up to the quarterback. Is that pressure going to convert into a sack or are they going to scramble? Are they going to throw the ball away? Are they going to find a way to avoid actually being brought down once pressured? And Bryce Young was off the charts in that regard. We've all seen the clips and, and you see him, his elusiveness in the pocket, his ability to stand in there as well and, and evade pressure but still make a play, not always take off. I just find the number one thing for me is you can't have those drive-killing, you know, seven, eight-yard sacks, and then you're sitting there at second and 18, and in a college game it can be very difficult to convert those into first down. So that's probably the biggest thing for me. Obviously, interceptions and all that, of course, but, but avoiding those negative plays, avoiding those sacks, um, I think is the best way to look at it.
2: All right, Brad, let me ask you this. Uh, around the nation, the talk about quarterbacks in the Heisman, obviously centered on Caleb Williams of Southern Cal and Drake May of North Carolina – any chance that we might see an SEC quarterback or an SEC player besides Brock Bowers get into the mix?
8: I think it's entirely possible, yeah. I mean, I think obviously it's going to take some team success as well, and therefore I think I would lean towards the Jaden Daniels if we're talking Heisman talking, you know, do I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback? Probably not, but he has the ability to attack the defense through the air and on the ground. I like LSU a lot this season. You know, if they win the West and and, and get into the the college football playoff, I think he will be in the Heisman conversation.
2: But I'll we- oh, go ahead, Mark.
1: I was going to say, speaking of Heisman, uh, I wanted to actually you, throw you a little bit of a curveball. I know we're talking SEC, but Riley Leonard, the quarterback at Duke, right in our backyard, out of Fairhope. Getting a little Heisman buzz uh, early here. Wh- what are your thoughts on, on on the on the Duke quarterback?
8: Really, really good player. Uh, we actually just wrote a, a profile of him on, on PFF. Got posted this week. So for the local people that are big fans of his, go check that out. Um, and he was awesome. He was talking about the motivation he gets from his family, even his mom, like telling him you stink and, and trying to you know motivate him and rile him up before games. Um but yeah, you look at his tape last year. And I know everyone's talking about Drake May uh, at North Carolina, as they should. But but Leonard also has some of that elusiveness, some of that you know the ability to throw off the platform and, and, and make different plays. Uh, both in structure and outside of structure. Uh, I I think he's a special kid. I'll be honest. I didn't watch him a ton during the season, and I've heard his name kind of come up more and more the last couple months, Yeah, um, and, and I really do like his tape. I really do.
2: So do you remember this past year there was a number of quarterbacks got drafted in the first round, obviously Bryce Young and Richardson, Levis, people like that. Um could you see any of these quarterbacks in the SEC getting drafted first round this coming uh, draft in April?
8: I think that's going to be a bit of an uphill battle. You know, I do think it, uh, there are a couple of the guys that are the better guys coming back are more of your no, prototypical, you, you know, college quarterbacks, guys that excel in a good system okay. and make smart plays, make smart decisions. Um, you know, like maybe a Devin Leary. I think he showed some things before transferring over to Kentucky. Um, you know, I, And I guess Joe Milton, again, I, I'm really not – the biggest fan, in terms of you know, we get we get enamored sometimes with the tools. And Joe Milton has every tool you could possibly want in the toolbox. But, you know, we got to see him be more consistent, more accurate. He transferred from Michigan for a reason. But I guess him, right? I mean, those seven players, if they figure things out where the decision-making gets cleaner, the accuracy improves, you know, he, he's a guy like an Anthony Richardson that could just skyrocket up boards, you know, if, if things break in his way. All
1: right. So uh, one of our listeners brought up a great point. What about Bo Nix, the Oregon quarterback, now, uh, former Auburn guy, Um we talk about Heisman-type guys. I mean, analytically, where what do you see in in Knicks?
8: I think he he could be in that Heisman conversation as well. Really turned a corner last year to where you know, again, he had a big arm, and, and he did have some rushing ability. We saw him, the ability to take on some tackles, play some tough football, uh, which obviously, you know, worked at times in the SEC, and then he goes to Oregon and and was just really clean. I, I think layering balls over the middle, more confident throwing over the middle, um, more accurate to the sidelines, and, and putting balls where only his receiver could get it, you know, and less 50-50 and more 80-20 out of his game. Um, I think he took a really big step last year at Oregon, and I do. I think he probably will be in the Heisen in conversation as well, they have a good football team returning. You know, the Pac-12 right now is obviously a, a total mm. cluster, but yeah, uh, but but I do I, I do think he'll be in that conversation.
2: Okay, so in conversations about quarterbacks and their future in Heisman, why am I not hearing much about the Washington quarterback Penix?
8: Yeah, another guy, Michael Penix should be in that conversation. I, I think again, I mean, he also has Romo Dunes over there, the uh, elite receiver who I think is going to be a first-round pick. Um, at Washington. They have a couple good offensive linemen coming up as well. They always seem to do well in the trenches um, every couple years. He should be. He, he certainly should be. The guy has a cannon as well. Um, another guy that I think may be uh, a slightly better college quarterback right now than you, than you translate to the NFL, but I think you saw him take a lot of those steps last year. And if he limits some of the negative plays um, and continues to boost a lot of the positives and the highlights, uh, I think you should be hearing his name more and more as well.
1: All right, Brad, you got you to gotta bear with me here while I, I dive into the uh, fictitious realm of quarterbacking. Uh, I've, I've made a big deal out of today being a special day in the sports world because on August 11, 2000, a guy by the name of Sha- Shane Falco showed up at halftime and led the Washington Sentinels to the playoffs with a game-winning touchdown pass. It's time expired. They beat Dallas. They crossed the picket line. Gene Hackman was fantastic as a coach. Analytically speaking, who would be your, the best fictitious quarterback you've ever seen?
8: Yeah, the replacements are certainly up there. The kicker that that was smoking cigarettes before he <laughs> he brought it out always, Nigel. You know, always could 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 boom it. Yeah, um, that's a great, that's a phenomenal question. I, if you watch Blue Mountain State, maybe the, uh, the the middle linebacker from from Blue Mountain State. I'm blanking on his name right now, but he was always uh, a field general uh, from a quarterback standpoint. You know, Shane Falco is not a bad pick by any stretch. Um, you know, Adam Sandler's character slash Burt Reynolds character in The Longest Yard oh, uh, yeah. has a bit of a ho- yeah, he had, a, he had a hose on him too.
1: So, so you got a lot of good options there. Yeah, St- uh, Steeman Willie Beeman from uh, any given Sunday has to be up there. He's a, his he's yep, a dual yep. role, uh, can run and throw. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's it we could do a whole segment, but I I won't I won't bore our readers our listeners with with
2: details. But that's good stuff. Hey, before I let you go, since we centered on quarterbacks, what about running backs in the SEC this year? Who are your favorites?
8: There's a lot of really talented running backs coming back in the SEC this year. Um, You know, I I think for me, it's probably Quinchon Judkins, though. I I think you saw him at Ole Miss last year where – Zach Evans was a guy that had buzz and, and was a you know got drafted a little bit later than maybe some people expected. Um, it's because Quinshon Judkins came in as a true a true freshman and was a better football player right away. So um, the list starts and stops there for me. Uh, I think he's a dynamic player uh, that we could see get drafted real early in a couple of years.
1: Hey man, we can't thank you enough. Now the listeners are chiming in. Uh, I failed them because I didn't mention Mox from Varsity Blues, Jonathan Moxon. Yes. So yeah, so yeah, that's a miss for us. Yeah, that, we totally riffed on that one. But uh, for those that want to talk and, and, and read about everything going on in the world of football, what's the best way to do it?
8: Yeah, check out pff.com. Like I said, we had Riley Leonard you know, interviewed this week. We got a ton of college football content coming out. Uh, we are all over it, both towards the draft, but also, you know, looking at the CFP, looking at realignment, every single component of college football you can read about it at pff.com.
1: Hey, man, thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll be in touch.
2: Thank you, you too. So was Gene Hackman a better coach in that football movie or at Hoosiers 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 he's a better Hoosiers. coach
1: yeah I think so it's close it's close but he had a well hmm, that's a great question he had a great eye for talent in in um the replacements because he had to bring all those guys in he knew exactly what he wanted to put together a really good team in Hoosiers he had to take the talent that was already there the five players uh, <laughs> i think it was seven and, and then, then one, one quit. quit right away one came back i think there wound up being six or seven and he had to he had he had to go with what he had so i don't know what's better or what's more what's more impressive to take the talent that you're given and and make it a winner or go out and find the right talent to become a winner and i often wonder too and and obviously i'm partial to hoosiers
2: but in in a hotbed of basketball indiana how do you have a program with only five or six players coming out? I mean, that's that's the sport. I mean, basketballs can't ring king in the state of Indiana, and, and of well, course, those I know it's working movie. on the
1: farm. They ain't got time. Yeah, well, right, fine. I mean, I, that's that's my guess. Working on the farm. I mean, well, if it's such a passion, why they had to bring him some washed-up coach who hit a player with, that he coached in college? They had to bring him in. I mean it it wa- apparently it wasn't oh, a very was, glamorous job. Well, I mean,
2: separating fact from fiction, there's always stories about hiring coaches and why you bring them in. Who knows? I mean, the principal who used to be in Rawhide, by the way, Chev Woolley. Yeah, I guess we're back him? into fiction. Yeah, fictitious. Back uh, uh, somehow, some way he knew this guy and liked him. Oh, they him. were
1: they knew him. They were friends. Yeah, they, they, they gave him a friend, shot. So
2: that's how coaches wind up getting jobs too.
1: Yep. Of course he relied on shooter uh in that you know, as his assistant coach when he was sober.
0: Which in wasn't often. Which, yeah, which,
1: which was to say, like, yeah, that was, you know, once a, once a week. I don't know. It's a great question. Are you a better coach for taking the talent that's given to you and provi- a, a, and turning it into a winner or going out and having to find the right guys to bring in? Well, let's look at, uh, and, and separating fact fiction, Terry Bowden when he took over
2: Auburn. He inherited all that talent from Pat Dye's team, right? Right. And he went undefeated. Sure. And then down the road, things didn't go so well after some of that talent graduated or went to the pros and so forth. I mean, he handled – they often say that – Yeah,
1: but that's different because –
2: Well, he inherited the talent, though, but I'm saying he did very, very well, and a lot of coaches don't. A lot of coaches come in, and they want to get their own guys and everything. I thought he did a phenomenal job. They went undefeated, and actually— But
1: but I I guess my point is, in that situation, it doesn't count because he had great talent. I'm saying, do you take mediocre talent? Is it more impressive to take mediocre talent that's given to you, coach them up so that they become extraordinary? Is that better— than saying, we don't have anybody, but I can I can acknowledge and I can see who I need specifically to that win. Mean, that it might
5: lean more being a great recruiter, not necessarily a great coach.
1: All right, well, let's, uh, let's take – okay, miracle. Kurt Russell knew exactly what he wanted. He had the best ice skaters in all the country. They had the ice for a week. After the first practice, he knew exactly who he wanted. Now, he didn't have to recruit them, but he – he evaluated everybody that was there before they even got there. He watched the film the whole day. He knew exactly what he wanted. That's what he wanted to make what he envisioned. And as well, I don't want
2: to ruin the ending for you, but it worked right. out. Gene Hackman did not do a good job recruiting the halls at that high school.
1: I would well, I don't know. He got he, the, did. he got the teacher. I mean, he ha- he got the he got the love interest. <laughs> I'm I, I, talking about the
2: basketball players. He didn't go around trying to get people know, to man. come out to the team. How, he how can the, you take he, over he a team? Take In real over life, a team. To transfer schools. You know, take over a team when you only have five or six kids out there. And he, he actually did his best to get rid of some. I'd argue he won the Halls. Dude's
1: got game. Got serious riz. What did he do the second year? Jesus. Uh oh, the follow up? Yeah, the follow up. When they all graduated? <laughs> yeah. Dad was like, My kid ain't on the team. He ain't using the church bus no more. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. Let's do this. Let's take a break. You you didn't like my Riz? Coming? No, I'm I'm not rizzed
5: up over here. Uh, that's a good I'll, thing. I'll let you keep I'll let you keep rizzin' on
1: uh Lee over there. I'm glad uh, there's glass. Speaking of Riz, did you that story out of the New York Post is, is crazy. I don't even know if we can talk about it. It's that I crazy. Don't, I don't <laughs> think we can. It's it involves a supermarket in Brazil. And a spider that was biting people and giving them powers and giving them their very man-like powers. Let's just say people that were bitten, they weren't getting, you know, their spidey senses, or maybe they were. Something was tingling. Something was tingling. Uh, the most man the post. You can't make it up. All right, John Ruchetti's next. Stay with us.
8: Hey, this is Jimmy Riffle from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. Go, Johnny,
2: go,
0: go. Go, Johnny, go, go. Go, Johnny, go, go. Johnny, be good.
1: All right, 7.53 wrapping up hour number two on a very animated edition. It's the opening kickoff.
2: All right, let's talk some golf now with uh, John Ricchetti. We got the FedEx going. We've got the Phil Mickelson uh, story out of the gambler's book and all that, and we've got John Ricchetti with the Miller Lite Golf Report. Good morning, Johnny. How are you today?
7: Good morning, guys. Good morning. So uh, big topics. Where, which which one would you like to start? with?
2: I think with? we'll start with Phil Mickelson. I, I I haven't read the book. It just came out. I'm assuming you're not. Inclu- your name is not in it. Uh.
7: Let's hope not. No, that's uh, I tell you, it's. Uh, you know, I'm just reading like uh, bits and pieces on this whole story, but the, the nuts and bolts of this is that uh, the book coming out and uh, about a gambler and apparently back in 2012, uh, the Americans had lost the Ryder Cup in 2010, but 2012, Phil Mickelson was extreme. We all know that Phil's had some. You know, he likes the wager and so forth. And uh, he was, uh, they were going to play at Medina. And uh, he was very confident. Him and Tiger were, you know, both playing well. And he thought the Americans would win the Ryder Cup. So he called this bookie and he was going to put $400,000 on the American team to win the Ryder Cup. And the guy talked, apparently, had talked him out of it, saying, this is not a good idea uh you know to get on to bet on your sport and blah 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 and apparently phil claims he did not do it so that's the nuts and bolts he was going to put a four hundred thousand dollar wager on the Ryder cup which if you remember the americans were were winning that Ryder cup going into singles and then they got Trounced in singles match, and Phil lost lost his match to Justin Rose that day, and the and the Europeans ended up winning. So it would have cost Phil a lot of cash. But that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of, of the story. All right, Johnny, uh, I have a question on not. this
2: though because I just don't know. Like obviously in baseball, football, things like that, you gamble, especially on your team, you're out. Okay, we saw that with Pete Rose. In golf, is there such a is there such a a, a statement that if you can you bet?
7: I, it's, that's a great, great question. Don't really have the answer to that because I've never heard or be, never heard of anybody even inkling of doing it or so forth. But, uh, uh, it's a good one. I'm going to look into that, but I've never, never did. And I'll hopefully have an answer for you guys on Monday on that. But I would say that you cannot do it. And if you did do it, you'd be suspended. And I guess, and and the gambler, the guy, the bookie, did make reference to Pete Rose in that book stating that, uh, you know, look what happened to Pete Rose and you, you can't do this, Phil, or something like that. And Phil agreed. But whether he placed it with somebody else, I'm not sure. Uh, the book, so But anyway, um, and Phil's come out and said that he never did it. So I'll uh, give him the benefit of the doubt that he did not do it.
2: St. Jude's?
7: Well, they had a lot of rain there yesterday, uh, upwards of two inches. They had to play lift, clean in place, but uh, some low scoring, obviously, when you can move the ball. Greens are soft, and professional golf guys shoot low scores. Jordan Speef is your leader at seven under par, shot at 63. Uh, Rory McIlroy, uh, he's at three under. Scheffler's up there, too. The only, I guess the only person I thought was struggled yesterday was John Rahm. Uh, He had a three-over par 73, but there is 70 players, no cut. Uh, So so still a lot of golf to be played, and obviously the top 50 will move on to Chicago the following week. They did ask, back to to Phil Nicholson's uh, story there, Lee, they did ask Rory McIlroy about it. If he had read the book in his press conference and Rory said, no, but look at the bright side, I I guess Phil can bet on it this year. He won't be there made <laughs> so a little comment towards Phil
1: Mickelson from Rory McIlroy. Never dull in golf, Johnny. We really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. All right, guys. Take care. Sean John Ruchetti. All right, coming up, uh, hour number three, Nick Alvarez, my colleague over to AL.com. He covers Alabama. We'll talk to him. Tommy Bowden is scheduled to join us as well. You guys need to join us on Thursday out at Heroes on Old Shell Road out in West Mobile. It's our uh, – Fall football preview party we got special guests coming we got free t-shirts we're giving away we're gonna have some golf passes the grand prize win a mini man cave and a recliner valued at eighteen hundred dollars thanks to barrow fine furniture a 65 inch 4k tv thanks to bailey's tv and mattress we're giving it to one lucky listener you have to be there to win details are coming but come on by and see us uh from three until six and then no that's not all we're doing the prep guys get on the air from six to seven all right there from heroes so come on out and see us it's going to be a lot of fun here comes our number three right here on our friday edition it's the opening kickoff yep here we are hour number three here on a friday thanks for hanging with us uh it's the opening kickoff mark lee triple g all in the studios of wnsp got
2: a lot of uh, scrimmages coming up this uh, week and uh you got south alabama we've talked about auburn will have a scrimmage i believe tomorrow and so will alabama we've called on nick alvarez from al.com to join us this morning to kind of preview that for us nick welcome aboard how you doing this morning
9: Hey, I'm doing all right, guys. Yeah, excited for football.
2: So before we even get to that, thoughts on that, how's it been so far for you covering Nick Saban for the first time and the Alabama Crimson Tide?
9: Yeah, it's been it's been all right. I had, a, I had the pleasure of dabbling a little bit last year uh, when one of my coworkers was on fraternity sure leave. So I was able to cover the first about eight weeks of the season last year, so I got some weird games in under my belt like the Tennessee game and that, uh, that A&M game. Um, so – it's interesting. I think I think I've been doing all right. I think uh, it's it's safe, and so you know you got to you got to come in prepared. But I think I think it's been going
1: well. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's prepared. He did the whole media training this year. He, he's trying really really hard, Nick, at press conferences to be engaging and funny. And but boy, if 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 he doesn't understand a question or he asks a question you don't like, it, it's hard to it, it's hard for him to stay in that be nice mindset
9: yeah yeah I mean he he tries, I guess I don't know. I'm still waiting for his first comment about death charts. I'm sure we'll probably get something soon about that in the next couple of days or so as that as that kind of becomes more of a topic of conversation, but I don't know, perfect world if he's gonna follow Brian Kelly's lead and start giving us some injury reports nice. about, like the n f l season
0: yeah,
1: don't hold your breath <laughs> will no, you get will you get to watch
2: any of the scrimmage tomorrow? No,
9: um, like the rest of the public. Uh, the last time we will see the Alabama football team in person uh, was was last week for Fan Day, and the next time will be for that September second opener against Middle Tennessee.
2: So, what do you take away? What do they do? You, do you just hang around the complex uh, in, in like closed door or something, and then wait for them to come in and feed you details? Is that how it works?
9: Yeah, so around like three thirty, I think tomorrow, three uh, fifteen, we'll be led into that post game. Uh, room that we usually go into and Brian Denny after an uh, outline home game and Saban will come in like with any other post game and will just tell us about what he saw and what he liked and what he didn't like. A uh, similar thing would happen in the spring for the scrimmages. Um, we're not getting stats or anything like that, but Saban will pretty much break down what he liked, what he didn't like. We won't get any tips on the starting quarterback hunt, obviously, but we'll probably get an update on maybe the on if the quarterbacks have stopped making some of the mistakes That Saban Saban wants to limit at that position. Or, you know, we learned a little bit about Richard Young and Caleb Downs, or excuse me, Justin Tain and Caleb Downs, some of the other freshmen who are making an impact in the spring. You know, will they continue to get playing time or will they continue to get heavy looks? We should get an answer to that question. Uh, Devontae Smith, not that one, the other one, uh, who's a safety on this team, uh, who surprised some of us in the press box when he was getting first team run at fan day. You know, how is his progression going, um, how is he kind of still molding into that backfield that Has have moving pieces into it? So we should get some questions answered that will just be from, you know, savings perspective, which is, you know, really the only one that matters.
2: What about stats? Will they feed you stats? Not by my knowledge, no.
1: He's Nick Alvarez. He covers uh, Alabama for AL.com. Uh, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at Nick underscore A underscore Alvarez all right we we spent a lot of time talking offense uh defensively uh and you wrote about this Kevin Steele has kind of gone old school with the way in which he's trying to get these guys to eliminate penalties it's got a whole Willie Mays Hayes major league feel to it right
9: yeah oh I love that I love the idea of like someone like uh nailing the flags to their wall yeah their <laughs> baseball gloves yeah um but, yeah, I mean, for, for those who haven't seen it on the story, it's uh for every, Alabama had well, really, really bad games in terms of penalties last year, um, setting school records, saving team rec- records. Um, to kind of correct that, it seems, uh, at least on the defensive side, we haven't gotten a con- confirmation of an offensive player, but if a player commits a penalty in practice, they have officials out there every day, that's uh, 10 up-downs. If the player makes another penalty, then his entire position group has to be 10 up-downs. The idea of it being, you know, keep it as front of their face as possible, is what Steele said, to kind of just keep it at the forefront of their mind because I think one of the more concerning things that I saw from Alabama football last year was the penalties. But that just didn't seem like, you know, the standard that everyone likes to talk about. The one I referenced in the story and the one I have never seen on a college football field um, at least had a program good as Alabama's in Texas last year. Will Anderson just straight up pushed a running back who had like already fallen to the ground, and it was an immediate 15 yards. And Henry Toto like put his hands on his head, like, "What did you just do?" And then after the game, Will may have been frustrated, may have been lying, but he said afterward, "You know, I learned. I didn't know that rule." Yeah. And that just seemed seems unfathomable to Alabama. Sure. So kind of building onto that and kind of reinforcing and hammering that home. I mean, that's clearly the message because last year Alabama had a bit of a was trying to focus on generating more turnovers, let alone reducing penalties. So I guess they're trying as much as they can to get that iron down
1: camp. Yeah, and that's something that Saban's really I mean, Saban always stresses, right? Play the next play, concentrate on that play and, and make sure you're in the right spot. But I feel like this is like a main theme since last spring. Which was harping on this stuff, and even mentioned in one of the press conferences that you know the the games that went the longest, Tennessee and LSU, they made critical mistakes, uh, and not necessarily penalties, but just not being in the right place at the right time against Tennessee and and LSU. I mean, he's really harping on that probably more than anything this 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 fall.
9: Yeah, and I think it's like I think it's part of the whole Saban mindset of baking in your effort into the process, not necessarily the result. Yeah, and hoping that with your process you will get what you want out of it. And I think there's a lot that's made about Alabama's season last year. And you know, he's right to the point where their two losses were decided very, very late in the game. And you know, you can go back to that Texas game. Off the top of my head, I remember there's a couple flags that stayed in the refs' pocket. That like, ooh, that probably made a would have made a huge change if it got called either way. So I, I think they're trying to minimize this, the risk. That they're gonna have, like I don't think, just from the play style, I think they're gonna try to put out. They're not gonna try to be very explosive offensively. I think they're gonna try to generate big plays, but I think they're gonna be more methodical defensively. I, you know, what, what did Dallas say at media days? Joyless, murderball. Like I think there's a very clear image of what they're looking for, and that means, you know, you in that play style, whether it's because of talent or it's because of some questions at quarterback, offensive line, is you can't beat yourself and penalties, you know, self-inflicted errors, those are things that are going to cost you a game, maybe two.
2: Nick Alvarez joining us from mail.com Nick, obviously the media will be locked in about the quarterback, want to hear what Nick has to say, and he may, you know, his usual, you know, get frustrated by that. But is there anything else on your agenda that you're interested in tomorrow?
9: I I kind of just mentioned it a minute ago. I I came into camp having – Serious questions about the left tackle position. Nothing against Eliza Pritchard but just, just what does the depth look like? Kind of what, is, just what does he look like at that position? Um, and A-Day, he was getting the rest of the first team. He went down with what assumes a lower body injury, just from what we could tell in the press box. And freshman Caden Proctor uh, got a lot of run there with both teams. So, like, what behind him, what does that look like? Are we is planning to go with, you know, Terrence Ferguson at guard? with David said, you know, using a starting mindset this week, and, you know, one of Pritchett or Proctor at left tackle. Like, that, that is crucial. Like, and obviously the quarterback conversation is number one, but who's going to be paired up with J.C. Latham? Like, I saw in the spring, like, oh, it would be obvious if they just moved J.C. over to left tackle, but they're not doing that. And I'm not going to critique them for that, but they're going to have to get that left tackle situation sorted out because this in comparison to the right side of the line with Tyler and J.C. there, you're going to see teams stacking that inexperienced other side of the line, try to get pressure.
1: He's Nick Alvarez. Uh, how can people uh, follow your coverage of all things, Alabama, including this weekend' scrimmage?
9: Yeah, I mean everything on aL.com, I mean the whole team. Um, we'll begin to go going. my new knee partner, uh, Matt Stahl. He's been coming out to a great start. Um, and yeah, we're trying to keep everyone informed and get everyone ready because, you know it's what three Saturdays. Yep. From tomorrow, we'll be uh, we'll be doing it for
1: real. Hey, man, we appreciate you jumping aboard, and uh, we'll do it again soon. For sure. Yep, that's uh, Nick Alvarez, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate him coming aboard and uh, sharing his thoughts on tomorrow's scrimmage. All right, let's do a uh, scoreboard, traffic, and weather. Sure. Scoreboard, traffic, and weather the trifecta. Uh, we'll come back. We'll take your phone calls. Tommy Bowden scheduled for 830 as well. He'll talk ACC, specifically Clemson and Florida State. Uh, you guys can get us in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff here on a Friday edition, just flying by. Stay with us. Hi, this is
8: Monty Burke, author of Sabin, The Making of a Coach. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM.
2: Right center field
8: ball dropping, diving tribe, it gets
1: past the center fielder Harris. Rebella will wave home Reynolds. Here comes Hayes. He is there with a trip, trip, triple. The red hot Hayes. Oh, I see, he did it three times. That's that's clever.
2: Not not your Hayes, though.
1: Woo, not Willie Mays. No, no, this was
2: the Hayes on the Pirates who had a triple. Yeah, yeah, and their uh, win last yesterday over the Braves. But I thought you'd like to hear Hayes's name
1: um yeah so you mentioned philip rivers we talked about this in hour number one you know philip rivers made comments about this in march and kind of downplayed it but i fully believe that he was very much in talks with the niners and ready to do this uh if indeed like i said i i bet you he was the biggest niners fan uh in the country the day they were playing Philadelphia because if they win that, which was a big if cons- considering their quarterback situation, wh- what what quarterback who was out of football wouldn't sign for a week and a half or two weeks or whatever it is and be on the roster with the idea of potentially playing in the Super Bowl? Do you
2: think, though, and, and obviously it's a question we, we hope to one day talk to Philip about to see if he can confirm that story from Kyle Shanahan. Now, Shanahan did say that it was one of his plans and i don't even know why he revealed that yesterday uh i don't know if anybody specifically asked it but do you think a quarterback well a guy who's been retired like this for what two years now might feel well yeah this is great to get in the super Bowl. i've never been there but might back away because they don't want to embarrass themselves the fact that he hasn't been
1: playing and hasn't worked with this team these guys are competitors man they they I, i i i hear what you're saying but these guys just don't think that way and Philip had been working out and staying ready for a while there. So in March, he said, and I quote I heard from a couple teams just kind of checking in. I didn't contact anyone, and I'm not going anywhere. I think maybe some teams with some guys going down may have been looking for a contingency plan, but nothing came of it. That's not necessarily a denial that there were conversations. But uh, I again, I don't know why Shanahan brought it up today, th- yesterday. I don't know why he brought it up in July with the a- Athletic and their podcast. It's compelling, but why wouldn't he try it? Why wouldn't like Drew Brees? I'm trying to think of recently, you know, retired quarterbacks. Uh, why wouldn't Matt Ryan next year if uh if something came up like? It's the Super Bowl. You're clearly playing for one of the best teams. There's really very little downside to this. And if you do crash and burn, you go up there and say, man, we gave it our best shot. I mean, what do you expect? I was, you know, we were only working together for 10 days. It just, you know, we it, it was fun. I appreciate the opportunity. It was an unbelievable well, experience. Well,
2: let me just say this. I, I wish it had happened for us. It would have sure. been a terrific story. But again, not having talked to Philip Rivers about this. Working, throwing to receivers at St. Michael's is a lot di- with no pass rush is a lot different than getting into a Super Bowl game.
1: Well, if Johnny Manziel can throw to his lawyer and his agent during a pro day and kill it for Cleveland execs, I'm thinking Philip Rivers could have gotten this done. Absolutely. I'd want to hear from the wide receivers though that were supposed to be keep running routes for Manziel. i oh, for the way. Manziel. Like, dude, how drunk were you? Like one was so drunk he couldn't get up. The other one they didn't even know they didn't know where he was. He couldn't be found. I'd be like, "Dude, where were you? You had one job." You had one job. I love sports.
2: Well, there's always the if if. So we could talk all we want about it, but it never happened. And like I said, Shanahan said this was one of his plans. He didn't identify other plans. If one of you guys were the coach of the Niners,
5: and you needed to get a retired quarterback. Is Philip Rivers the first number that you're calling, or is there other people ahead of him? Well, on that Mark list? mentioned
2: Breeze.
1: Yeah, but I'd probably go Rivers. Uh, he's bigger, more durable, and we we try to we tend to forget or try to forget how bad or how what lack of strength Drew Breeze had at the end of his career. He couldn't get the ball down the field. Uh, now he's surgical with it. You know, within twenty or twenty five yards or whatever, but I'd probably go Philip Rivers on that for sure. Because, you know, we know because we've been around him that there was talk. He was kinda keeping himself ready, right? Now he's since said that he, that ship is is failed. failed. And, you know, he's expecting child number ten, so clearly his he's his got
2: mindsets on and, and the family, the high yeah. school and but I who just,
1: else out there?
2: I, I I'd have to go back and think about who is recently retired or who was available or who was not competing. And, um, like I, I, you brought up like Matt Ryan, like is Ryan with a team now? He's with CBS. Okay. So he could conceivably if something like this were, I don't think, well, he's actually he's opened up that he is. Ryan has said that he would be, uh, Amendable to playing, hasn't he? I thought I read that that he said, "Yeah, his career's not over yet. He hasn't officially retired."
5: No, nothing official.
2: Is uh, is Andrew Luck a little too far removed? Ooh, yeah, he is. And Luck will—I doubt Luck would ever come back. I really do, and it's—it's it's a shame, but the, the injuries and whatever. And I—I I don't think he would come back. And I, do you remember that story a couple months ago? What where. About- I'm sorry. There was a story about a team maybe getting in touch with Luck and the owner yeah. of the Colts got or Ursay got really upset about this and you, you stay away from him and don't you dare contact him and he's one of us.
1: What about uh, RG three? Or I mean, we mentioned Roethlisberger earlier. Gosh,
2: Roethlisberger, I think Ro- maybe he would be one. That I, you know what?
5: I would put him up, Rivers.
0: I'd
2: put him right up there with Phil. I wouldn't. Or, I mean, Griffin. No, I wouldn't even go there.
1: I mean, he's only what. It's been, what, 13 years or so since he got drafted? I mean, he's not... Yeah, no, I wouldn't... What about Alex Smith?
5: I was just thinking about him. What's he up to lately? He's an analyst, I think. Griffin
2: Griffin is a college football analyst right now. Roethlisberger would have been a good choice. Only a year removed... Super Bowl experience,
1: but you know, if you're the Niners and you're looking for somebody, you're literally just looking for somebody that can throw the ball.
2: Exactly. I mean,
1: Drew Brees, as as if, for even with a lack of a a long ball, would have been a head and shoulders better than what they had going on in that second yeah, half the, of that game against Philadelphia. Al
2: Roethlisberger can throw the ball, so could Philip. So yeah. either or would have been obviously up there. on as far as game, you know, plan, if if, if we were the people in charge. Well, if it's and buts, were candy and nuts. Am I right, Lee? Anything you say, I, I approve.
1: Oh, ah, well, we're wide open the rest of the way, then.
2: You want to dump the next guest and just talk? Tommy Bowden? Dump Tommy Bowden? Are you serious? You
1: said whatever I wanted.
2: No, I said whatever you say.
1: Well, I say let's dump... I
2: <laughs> <laughs> thought this guy So you can thrill us with another sports movie?
1: That's right. Well, it's either that or another scoreboard. I figured, you know the lesser of two evils, but here we go. Tommy Bowden is next on the ACC. Stay with us. It's a Friday edition. The opening kickoff.
0: I don't think expansion is about a number. And I've watched um, some colleagues speak about we want to get to a number. Some former colleagues speak to wanting to get to a number. 16 is actually a really flexible number for scheduling purposes. I know. um you know it's Thanks. divisible by a whole lot of numbers right balance. and that gives you the ability to make decisions like
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome back in the opening kickoff continues Mark and Lee here on a Friday edition continue with your comments in the app at wnsp.com someone suggested Eli Manning as a potential coming out of retirement for one game the Super Bowl huh I've, I've heard of uh, I I could, I could, I could be down with that. He's got two Super Bowl victories. Tommy
2: Bowden, longtime college football coach, uh, front and center with us now. Coached at Florida State. Uh, Well, Clemson. His dad coached at Florida State. Tommy, I don't remember. I I know you've been around.
10: I, I coached at Florida State for about four
1: years. So okay.
2: I was trying can't to remember go wrong. I don't have your resume in front of me. Of course I remember you had a lot of other Tulane head coach. Yeah, as Clemson. a New
1: Orleans guy, it it's Tulane and nothing else, Coach. He <laughs> <It> was undefeated
2: <laughs> at Tulane. Damn right he was. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah.
10: great. I got our twenty twenty fifth reunion coming up this September. It'll be my first time going back, but uh, looking forward to that.
1: Man, you getting old, coach. <laughs> yeah,
10: I don't I know
9: a man a lot. <laughs>
2: Tommy, I wanted to get you on to, to kind of give us a little take on where you think these conference realignments. What do you think is coming down the road with Florida State and Clemson?
10: You know, it, it would not surprise me if if Florida State and Clemson uh, and maybe even North Carolina and Virginia Tech, maybe uh, another school in, in, in Miami, pull Texas and Oklahoma, where all of a sudden the administrations at, uh, at Texas and Oklahoma had been dealing with the Big uh, SEC privately, uh, unbeknownst to the, the the Big Twelve, and uh, and then all of a sudden you wake up one morning and they're gone. So I know Florida State is very displeased. They've been more vocal along uh, They've been a little more vocal than than Clemson, but Clemson also is not happy. So it wouldn't surprise me if those two schools, all of a sudden, you wake up reading the paper where they're gone. And uh, I don't know where they'd go, <laughs> probably the SEC. But uh, it, that that wouldn't surprise me because the way those things, you had, really have to deal with the secrets that once it gets out in the paper, it really makes it difficult. So uh, I, I, I would think that there's some quiet discussions going on, at least in those two schools, maybe more in the ACC.
2: When you were at Clemson, was there ever talk about getting out and going to the SEC?
10: Never, never. It was at that particular time we were. I was there when we had eight schools, and we and we brought in Miami, Boston, some of these other schools. So uh, at that particular time, it, it was who would we take, not not where would we go. So it was a completely different environment uh, in that particular time. That was you know two thousand two, two thousand one, two thousand two, early two thousands. So uh, now it's completely changed because the Big Ten. And the SEC are pulling so far ahead of everybody else. You know, uh, everybody's scrambling because there's a huge money difference between those conferences right now and what television contracts are, and they're paying to their members. So a little different environment, but right now (laughs) it's not so much who are we taking For the ACC, it's it's where are we going?
1: Yeah, and Coach, I I think the ACC, though, still has time to remedy this. Not that necessarily anything's wrong with the ACC right now, but, I mean, because of the financial hurdles that these schools have to to clear in order to get out of the conference, I think the ACC, if they can get proactive, why not go after a couple and expand and try to keep those that are already in there, specifically Clemson and Florida State? Why not? um, Why not? try to make peace and and, and expand a little bit. And, of course, the flip side of that is I don't care what the buyout is. If I'm Florida State or I'm Clemson and I see a greener pastures, I'm probably gone. I I figure deal with the money issues later.
10: Yeah, well, I think one of the negatives about trying to just make ends meet and 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 get peace in the conference, add a couple of schools, is that con- television contract runs through twenty thirty six. Right. So yeah, regardless So yeah. who you who you bring in, it doesn't expand your intake uh, monetarily fr- from the conference yeah. because you're you're locked in for a long time. So yeah, they they could bring in a cow and Stanford. I don't think that'll bring much to the table from a television market appeal. But uh, bring they could bring those in. It'd be a great academic conference with Virginia and Duke and, and Wake Forest. If you brought in uh, Stanford and, and, and Cal, but it doesn't it doesn't address the 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 lack of finances that you're going to be able to generate from television revenue.
2: See, I happen to agree with you on on the, uh, SEC in a sense laying in the weeds, and you know Sankey, he's been asked about this, but. You remember, And you brought it out how Texas and Oklahoma were sprung on us before we could blink. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. It wouldn't surprise me if down the road that we hear an, uh, an ACC school uh, leaving, being poached, and going to the SEC. Could that happen soon, in your opinion?
10: Yeah, it, it could be because, uh, you know, they might say, okay, we're going to announce now. It might not take place for another year but uh I think it could because uh you don't see anything being proposed by the a c c that 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 looks like it's gonna satisfy the needs or the desires of a Florida state and Clemson that you don't you know they ought to be making something public where it could appease their fan base and 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 uh and at least the television market. But the, nothing that seems to be happening. I'm sure there's some discussions behind closed doors, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. One day you wake up, and those those two are gone because uh, as Florida State's made the point over and over, they're getting 30 million dollars behind every single year. Do you that think they, that
2: they're out? Do you think they were out of place with the way they publicly came out with those statements?
10: Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I you know, I, I think you have to throw a little, call, you know, whether smoke is fire, and I think they're smart to do that because they'll, they, you know, Florida State's got a pretty rabid fan base. The expectations and standards are high. They want to know that their administration feels the same way they do. They're demanding millions of dollars from a lot of their high-end boosters. And they want to know those are successful businessmen that that reach the top of their profession. They want to make sure their money is going to a school that has the same ambitions athletically and uh, and by saying that vocally they can at least calm and ease their fan base a little bit longer, maybe another year So, no, I think it's smart for them to be very aggressive in the, how they attack the media and same thing with Clemson both of those fan bases at Florida State and Clemson are are serious about football and they won't see their administration yet. as the president of Clemson Florida State and the AD they better be aggressive with the media because that's what their fan base wants right now
2: let me ask you this. There was a time, maybe it was even when you were at Florida State, where Florida schools ruled. I mean, you had Florida State up there. Your father had them up there in the top two, three, four. Miami was solid. They were winning championships. Florida Gators, Burrier. and And today, those three programs, they're good, but they're nowhere near what they used to be. Why is that? Well, I
10: think, that, you know, they've just had some coaches that haven't been able to reach the standards of Jimmy Johnson and Dennis Erickson, Howard Schnellenberger, Steve Spurrier, you know, and a, and a Bobby Bowden, uh, Mike Norville. Mike, you know, looks like he's, Got it. Uh, well, he's had one ten-win season. You know, my father had fourteen top four finishes, which may never be broken in NCAA record. But you know, they went in a run of coaches there. There were Hall of Fame coaches. Uh, Billy Napier has the potential. Mario Cristobal has the potential, but they haven't put those stats up, so they can do it because of the amount of talent that they've got. They've got talent in this state. In uh, Miami, doesn't have to go any further in Dade and Broward County, which kind of Schnellenberg of his philosophy when he took over that job to lock down those two counties. So yeah, they can they can get back to where they were, but you got to make sure you got the right man at the head of the ship, and that's what we're kind of finding out and sifting through right now with a new coach of Miami, new coach of Florida, relatively new coach at Florida State. But all three of those teams could easily be back in the top ten again uh, if if the right guys calling the shots.
1: Tommy Bowden, our guest here on WNSP. I heard a great story or read about a great story. Uh, I'd love for you to uh, uh, tell it to our listeners. So take us back. I think it was after the 2002 (coughs) season uh, at Clemson. You were in need of a wide receivers coach. You got an email or a resume from somebody. Tell us who it was and what was the initial reaction from people around you when you hired him?
10: Well, you know, at that particular time, obviously it takes you, you know, the the team of the best players is winning. And I was really looking to make some changes on my staff, going with some younger guys or or guys with a track record of recruiting. And uh, I coached Dabo Sweeney at Alabama, and I know he had coached there. And all of a sudden I would lost a uh, wide out coach. Rick Sox had left. So I was looking for a wide receiver coach, and I happened to have his resume. He sent me on my desk, and it was – it was like a on thesis on his recruiting <laughs> uh, at the University of Alabama, the guy that he had signed in the recruiting. So I said, man, I, I need a good recruiter. So I uh, brought him in, interviewed him. He was interested in coming. But uh, – that was really kind of the, the the main thrust behind my hiring him. I was made philosophical changes that you can go with guys with great experience, call him plays, you, know, and all that, but uh, you you better prioritize you know kind of what your needs are, and it was recruiting and, and signing better players and so So I hired him, and then uh, of course he's the rest is history. You, but uh, that's it, that's his forte.
2: Were you surprised that they tabbed him to replace you? Uh, well, n- not as an interim. Uh, when
10: I, when the AD came and talked to me and I said, listen, this Davo Sweeney guy, you know, I think he's got all the intangibles. His wife's a great asset. I just think he's a total package. So he gave him the interim job. Uh, afterwards, I think he went six. Uh, he, he, they went to a bowl game that year, might've got six or seven wins, but the next year he went six and seven. And uh, I think he went six and six, lost the bowl game to South Florida, Skip holes, and they played it in Charlotte, which is a huge Clemson fan base. Th- that AD, guy named Terry Don Phillips, made a, a huge decision. Hey, I'm I'm gonna stick with him. I made the decision. I thought that was that was the 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 key point in Dabo's career was after the first full year as the head coach, he went six and seven, hadn't had a losing season there. I I've never had one in nine years, so. Uh, of course, they had a losing season before I got there, so they hadn't had one in nine years. And all of a sudden, to go six and seven, and then him keeping that—that that was that—that that was a key. That that would have been a little bit of a surprise for me. But the AD showed a tremendous wisdom in, in keeping him around.
2: Coach Tommy Bowden joining us to talk college football. If and when Nick Saban steps aside, resigns, is Dabo Sweeney the logical choice to replace him, or are there others?
10: He's a logical choice. I don't think he'll go. He's going to fix and get a statue up at uh, Clemson and, uh, in front of the stadium. <laughs> so uh, uh, he's going to have to be beside Bear Bryant and Nick Saban statue and have to stay there a long time. Huh? He's made so much money. He's, yeah, he's been at Clemson so long now. I think he'll finish his career there. They were loyal to him that year I just talked about. They showed tremendous loyalty, giving a job to a guy that never been a coordinator, and uh, and then staying with him after that first year, I, I think I think he's big on that, the chance they gave him. So he'll he'll they'll they'll make his statue up at Clemson, and then uh, he'll go back and visit Alabama once he retires and, and go to games. But uh, there'll be another hot guy when Nick Saban retires, another two or three years, whenever it is. There's gonna be another hot young guy that'll have a name that I'm sure they'll go after. But I don't see him leaving Clemson.
2: Do you like the direction where college football is going now?
10: No, no, not anybody that's got anything to do with college football doesn't like the NIL and the transfer portal. You know, should it be paid? Yes, but some kind of structure, some kind of guidelines, some kind of parameters, NCAA dropped the ball with that. Transfer portal got out of hand with the number of times they and when, when and how many times they could transfer. They need a little more guideline and structure with that. I think it could benefit college football, but the way it is right now, uh, toothpaste is out of the tube. It's hard to put it back in, and they they, they need great leadership. Or the or the or the Big Ten, the SEC, going to get their own conference and write all the rules. And nil nil money is not a problem at a lot of those schools. So they better be careful, or they're going to split the college football in half and uh but i don't do, do not like the way it's going with with a little bit of leadership just poor leadership from the top
2: i don't remember the timeline did you ever coach with jimbo fisher
10: oh yeah, uh yes at uh, auburn uh quarterback coach i was coaching wide receivers spent a lot of time with him drill work on the field in the press box he was always beside me uh in the press box and uh of course, me doing a bunch of Christian speaking, which I do now. I'm flying over to Starkville, Mississippi this weekend to speak to their team at First Baptist Church in Starkville. But uh, his his language is a little more colorful. His presentation in church would be different than mine. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with him right beside, talking about plays and calling plays with Terry, did uh, Terry down the field with Jim and I on the, in the on the headsets with uh, him. So yeah, know know him real well.
1: Coach, can't thank you enough for catching up with us, man. It's been fun. Uh, we're getting ready for football season. We'll, we'll we'll certainly be in touch. Have a great weekend.
10: Do, uh, do again. Thank
1: you. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh Mr. Tommy Bowden. All right, we come back, we wrap up another week of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. My name
7: is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 1055.
1: Another week of the opening kickoff. Reminder mark your calendars for Thursday, boys and girls. You have double duty on Thursday. You have extra credit due. Not only are you going to join us here from 6 to 9, obviously, but you're then going to come out to Heroes in, uh, on Old Shell Road out in Westmobile for the fall football preview party. Uh, special guest, t shirt giveaways. Uh, Golf Pass giveaway and a chance for you to win the WNSP Mini Man Cave. That's right, thanks to uh, Barrow Fine Furniture. A uh, recliner has been donated for you, valued at $1,800. But wait, there's more. Uh, Bailey's TV and Mattress offering up a 65-inch 4K TV. Someone's going to walk away ready for college football season. So we encourage you to come out, uh, hang with us, food, beverage, $1,800 $1800 recliner. That's an expensive chair. That is indeed an expensive chair. What's the most
5: expensive
1: uh piece of furniture you have in your house? Mm. Probably uh when we went out and made that dining room purchase when mm. we were back in the day cuz you can't get just like a table. That's right. And chairs, you got to get the, gotta all the pieces. Yeah, yep. it's it's a, it's a, it's a thing. Uh but yeah. That's a series. Got the swivel on the chair. That's a game changer. You heard me talk about that. that's a change. No. And with,
5: with that TV being 65 inches, you know, you could probably turn what 270 degrees and, and still see it out of your peripheral. Yeah. That's,
1: I mean, it's a it's a must have. And so uh things are looking up. So we want you to come out. Uh might have some special guests pop in there too. Um uh, and that includes Lee. From my half hour. Lee's going to be there from 303 to 3 7, 317 and then start making his way the the, uh... well, you being the social butterfly and all, I'm sure you have other engagements.
2: Oh, yeah. I've got a whole bunch of things. No, I'm going to surprise you guys. I'm going to be there for a while. What? You well, know, it's Westmobile. It's my, you know, it's close to home.
1: Well, that's why we, that's why we secured the location.
2: Well, next year it's going to be your house. So you're that's guaranteed right. to be hey, there the whole All time. right. Now we're
1: talking. Bring him on. How many? How many of you guys would show up if it were at Cervanian's house? If the fall football preview party was at the Cervanian, like Shur, Lee had, like a block party. We mm. just, we just, we just blocked the whole street. We just called it. Do like you host Shur- events at your house, Lee? My
2: wife does.
5: Okay, so you have you have the capabilities of yeah. it then.
2: Yeah, she she hosts at least two, three, four big events a year for sure. I'm not even included in it, but she does.
1: Maybe we could rent out like Lee's house like an airbnb like stay at shermanians
2: well we have an all upstairs is available perfect
1: i don't see why you would have any problems with a perfect stranger uh so years ago
2: years ago she's hosting this event around christmas time and the word was you know if you want to leave the house go do something that's fine but you know you're not really a part of this it's all female right i said look i have no problem with that i went upstairs i said don't bother me leave me alone <laughs> i'm gonna just go watch tv upstairs right so they call me down because they want me to take a photo off a ca- off, off the uh phones right right i don't know how to do that no so no. they're trying to show me this and i said wait a minute i thought i wasn't supposed to be available i wasn't supposed to be a part of this but i got it done
5: how Here's many people th- were at this event? How many people were crammed into that photo? About
2: sixteen.
1: See, look, I'm going to use the term you don't want me to use anymore, but that's a real Riz moment for Cervanian. There, I mean, he's the only dude in the house. Sixteen women want him to be in the same room. That's that's well, a win. Just
2: just to take the and then goodbye. That's what they're See saying,
1: you. Lee. That's what they're saying. Well they do You like got you got serious game over there. They do wanna talk. They do I wanna talk.
5: I feel like it's like whenever your uh, kid is like playing video games in his room and you're like, Hey, come out, you didn't you know, take the well, chicken the- out the freezer and he's like, Oh fine and then he scampers right back into his room real quick.
2: And, and I think, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, <laughs> the uh, Alabama was still alive in the college football. So that that start, you know, they wanted to ask me questions about, can Alabama get it done? Can Alabama, because they're basically all Alabama fans.
1: All right, so let me ask you this. Would you have been more comfortable, instead of taking the picture with a phone, if someone had a legit old-school camera? Would that have would, with the With the flashing? Yeah, yeah. Flashing as long bowls. as they
2: had a little button I could click. Yeah. Would I you would have, have to been. to get under the little yes. curtain thing? I would have been. <laughs> yeah, I never did that. That, but I would be more comfortable with what you're t- the old Kodak,
1: yeah, a little Polaroid, Polaroid, Polaroid it, you know. Yeah. Polaroid made a little bit of a comeback, though. You can get cameras that 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 print out the photos right away.
2: I would have been more comfortable with that. Yeah, it took me a while. To or the think.
1: ones that used to wind, you'd have to like wind it to the next mm-hmm. stop uh, spot. Do you know how many
2: think... photos I've taken with this? How many? The same amount that Johnny Manziel watched his uh, iPad for it, plays. Zero. Zero. Yeah. That's a uh, that's a lot of photos, Lee. <laughs> Not re- yeah, really. I have pictures worth a thousand
5: words, Lee. If you take a picture of something, you'll see it, you know, a year later. Are you guys you'll say, really huh, into I pictures? That. seriously, bro I,
1: bro. I got more than a thousand pictures on this phone.
5: I probably have over five thousand on mine. You're gonna like eventually, as I got you get older,
2: like donate it to the Smithsonian or something?
5: No, sometimes. So I'll like get a little. So I have the Google Photos app. And I'll get a little update, and it'll say, hey, remember your yeah. trip to Nashville? Yeah. And it'll show a little collage of images, or, hey, remember this day four years ago? Yeah. I'll be, oh, man, I should have deleted those.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, what was the, uh, oh, gosh, saw it the other day, the movie where they uh, went to Vegas for the... Hangover? Hangover, yeah. The three of them or whatever, and the, the pictures that came out yeah. of that. Yep. Look, you make more movie references than I do. No, that's impossible. I, I, I don't even come close to you. Well, I don't know. What was that? Somebody sniffing?
1: I was, I was taking a breath.
2: All right. All right. Yeah. I was I, worried. My I was I was I was bad. I, will, I won't
1: breathe. Don't let it happen <laughs> again. <laughs> all right. So... Uh, what are we doing Monday? I guess we're recapping scrimmages? Yeah, we'll recap.
2: Hey, you know, the Saints are playing Sunday, so we'll recap that and obviously get people talking about Alabama and Auburn and South Alabama, and that'll be pretty much it. We'll have a golf we're gonna update. We're going
1: to have a bunch of people come on and talk about something they didn't see. Right. Isn't that some, isn't that great? In a lot of ways, it's going to be a lot like you.
2: Well, no, actually, the Saints, somebody will see. Are well, you playing? can see it, too. I don't even too. know
1: who they're playing. It's preseason. Who are they playing? Oh, gosh. I forgot.
2: Uh,
0: they're playing Sunday. Be better. We're carrying be better. the game.
5: I know that the Falcons play the Dolphins tonight. Uh,
1: uh oh, yeah, we're playing the Chiefs, dude. We'll smoke them dudes by four scores. Is car playing? Do we know?
2: Uh, you, uh no. Not even a series? God, no, I, I get said I don't there. even know. Yeah, I know.
1: I don't know. You're right though. We have I don't. I'm not a preseason guy. I'm not a preseason guy either. Guys like Nick have to be, though, because preseason is when the Falcons excel. So this is his this is his moment.
2: Are they the team that's got that um, unbelievable record? There's a team out there that never loses in the preseason? I can't
1: the remember. Baltimore what, Ravens. The, the Ravens, i 23
2: sorry.
5: straight
1: preseason <laughs> games. <Wow. laughs> Talk about meaningless stats, man. Good stuff, though. Way to pull it. All right. That does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. On behalf of everybody here, wish you a happy and safe weekend. We're back at Monday at 6. Until then, see ya.